Yeah, we're good to go, man. All right, so we're back again. I'm Jeff, accompanied by my buddy Pat here. That's me. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, after working out a few growing pains, I think we actually got... This is all recording now. Uh, it's all good to go. And uh, tonight we're talking about Point Break, which is a classic that neither of us had seen until last week. Last week we talked about Face Off, and... Um... If you didn't tune in, you didn't see it, then unfortunately it's gone forever. Yeah, it, it was a, a one-off. Kind of a, a special moment. You had to be there for it more than anything, I think. Totally on purpose, too, by design. Like, we made it exclusive. Mm-hmm. So if you were there and you uh, <laughs> saw it, then you were watching history be made. And if you weren't, well, then you better start tuning in now. Now that's the There's idea. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, last week was a lot of fun. I was actually, I was really impressed with how well the, the first one went. And uh, nobody can say otherwise because they won't be able to see it if they didn't already see it. Yep. So, uh, yeah, I guess based on that one, we're already pretty much famous, which is fantastic. Uh, and, and we can just kind of just fall into this one pretty easily. Mission accomplished. Yeah, maybe we could just retire tonight. Just done. We could... <laughs> <laughs> Two episodes. Yeah, we'll sell it to Comedy Central for like $40 million or maybe a Netflix deal. That'd be all right. Man, Netflix will sign anybody. If we can't make it on Netflix, then we what are we even... We could try Hulu after that, but I don't think Hulu even exists anymore. I think that was the thing for a while. Probably the only streaming service that I have not subscribed to, nor am I interested, unfortunately for them. Sorry, Hulu. <laughs> It's not big here in Canada, I don't think. No, no, I don't, I don't think it uh, quite got the recognition it was going for north of the border. But that's okay, because you know what? As it turns out, none of the streaming sites or services that I have actually had Point Break. So I had to, uh, I had to venture long and far to find a, uh, a version that I could watch sustainably online. I rented it for Prime. You it, can... was, it cost me five bucks, but I, I rented it and got it for 48 hours and... Yeah, yeah. And that that. It was worth it. See, and I told you, I watched it kind of like a like a dad watches a movie because that's, that's just how my life is now. I think I watched it in three parts. Between naps. Well, naturally, yeah. I get tired, you nope. know, and yet, especially when you got to think about the movie, like how you feel about it. You can't just sit there and mindlessly watch this movie if you're going to be talking about it. But uh, there wasn't really a lot of time to, to think once it got rolling. I would say like maybe 30 to... 40 minutes in you're kind of like oh shit here here it comes and like the action peaks and then it's just rolling action until all the way at the end which I enjoyed it, it was kind of um, I guess I could I could say how I felt about it I was going to maybe save it for later but maybe it's best to get it off the bat is this this movie that like as we'll talk about it's about adrenaline junkies mm -hmm. and people that like go through their whole lives just chasing chasing the high of like just thrills like death defying thrills and the movie feels it felt like it was like weird pace throughout the whole thing i'm like is this the climax of the movie oh no it's still going oh is this this must be it oh there's still like 45 minutes left and that kind of like continued for a bit and, and i kind of eventually got to appreciate what they were doing which is they were kind of kind of uh following the rhythm that a that a an adrenaline junkie you know a, sur a strange surfer and skydiver and people like that kind of live their lives like just one thrill after the next yeah uh, it kind of keeps going 
And e- yeah, yeah, and even the thrills they had, you'd notice they'd get just more and more intense, right? Like there was certain scenes where you're like, oh, they don't ever do that. Now they're doing it because they're just they're hooked on the adrenaline. But I like that you brought that up because I was saying to uh, to somebody tonight, like there there seemed like so many natural awesome ending places for the movie, but they're like, nope, we're gonna keep going and we're gonna make it like, oh, okay, this is gonna be the ending of it, right? Nope, we gotta. Yeah. It's it's like what Lord of the Rings tried to do, but they didn't have to cut it up into twelve different endings. It's like they had twelve different endings that all seamlessly tied into each other until like the final ending, which I thought was fantastic. Just a, a, like a this perfect way. Turn of the king in the sky, basically. Hmm. It's just a series of people. Yeah, it's a bunch of different uh, high octane endings of people, either jumping out of planes into the ocean or. Jumping out of the ocean. <laughs> I don't know. I don't get surfing. Yeah, you know, and that was, I thought that was really funny, right? Because, like, the movie was made in 1991. And, uh, I'm a, like, that was right around the time when, like, you know, skateboarding and being a punk and all that kind of shit was really starting to take off. And I totally forgot how big surfing was back then, right? Like, it was huge, man. It was just as an extreme sport as, uh, as skateboarding and snowboarding and all that kind of stuff and all these board sports i don't know exactly when they started to emerge at that level but i mean it was neat to be like oh yeah that's right there's a whole subculture in yeah. surfing you know i mean the nights were an extreme time like you just gotta watch like a, a yogurt or a cereal commercial any random saturday morning and you can tell like <laughs> these people were extreme and they were bright colors and they kick flip through life just yelling <laughs> out how extreme they are just from fucking kick flips to, I don't know. I don't even know any surf terminology. I, I didn't even pick any up in the in the movie. To tell you the truth, I don't really know how much surf terminology there was besides catching waves. There's uh, probably like hang ten in there once or twice. I don't remember a hang ten, but that's <laughs> that would be. I would be in- interested to know if they actually said hang ten in that movie. I feel I like think, that's a like a poser thing. That's for sure. That was something that uh, that uh, Kayla pointed out to me. My wife Kayla, when we were watching the movie together, because she didn't immediately leave the room and discuss like she did with Face Off last week. Yeah, yeah. Um, but she, uh, yeah, she she kept she kind of said at one point halfway through the movie, like I keep expecting some cowabungas, and no one's cowabunging in this movie. <laughs> That's just unacceptable. Like you know, you almost half expect like a little Ninja Turtles cameo of them surfing in the background, like just one of those like Easter eggs in the movie, right? Would have been perfect. But... It should have been Easter. It should have been Ninja Turtles masks instead of uh, President's masks. I mean, that, that's how you do it. I wouldn't. I wouldn't have complained. But on that, I, <laughs> when they first robbed the bank in that, like I think it was the the opening scene, and mm-hmm. uh, they got dressed up as Nixon. I am not a crook. And I, like the oh, whole man. time he's robbing it, I'm like, I wonder if he's gonna do a Nixon fucking shtick here. Is he gonna go for it? And then when he does he it, it's like, I'll get right to it. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking he's laugh the only my one ass off. to the bit. Everyone yeah. else, like, the guy in the Reagan mask is just like, all right, everybody, this is a fucking bank robbery. Don't pay attention to my Reagan mask. Yeah. And then the guy, but the guy in the Nixon mask was just like, I worked on this in the mirror all morning. <laughs> Line, line, fuck. I always mix up my lines during the robberies. <laughs> we should get into uh, kind of introducing the movie, because I did last week I didn't do this till we were like halfway through, but just to touch uh, uh, point break, it's right here in my, in my nerdy-ass notes. 
Okay, Point Break perfect. was released in 1991 by 20th Century Fox, directed by Catherine Bigelow, uh, who also directed The Hurt Locker. Uh, stars Keanu Reeves, uh, Patrick Swayze, um, also stars um, Gary Busey, yeah. and was written by <laughs> W. Peter Illith. And again, just, just like last week, if I mispronounced the writer's name, I'm sorry. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Worried too too much about it. Now, you said Catherine so, Bigelow. Like, she, what else did she? You said she uh, she did. She did the Hurt Locker. Okay, so that was um, James Cameron's now ex-wife. Yeah, James Cameron's ex-wife, and uh, she won. She was up for Best Director and Best Picture for the Hurt Locker. Yeah, the and same she... year that Cameron was up for both those awards for Avatar. Yeah, and she she took them both. Yeah, and that was, that was uh, good. It was, I don't watch the Oscars often, but I watched that year, and it was pretty delightful watching the, like the James Cameron's just pursed lips as he just tries to force out some applause. He's like, she took half the fucking money for Avatar too, and she gets the awards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she took half the money for my movies and gets the awards for hers. To be fair, I mean, just on on a side note, I I wasn't a huge fan of Avatar. I thought it was, like, the cinematography was cool as shit. But it, to me, it was just, like, Pocahontas meets Fern Gully in some futuristic bullshit. Um, I'm glad you brought it up, because I love talking about how I didn't see this movie. You know what? Uh, I don't think you missed out. If you've seen Fern no. Gully and Pocahontas, you've seen Avatar twice. Yes. It's <laughs> the same well, fucking I have story. And, yeah, just from, that's one of the movies, like, from cultural osmosis. Like, I know, I know it was, like like panned for being like a ripoff of Pocahontas. I know that there's like something about unobtainium uh, that's fucking <laughs> as stupid as it sounds. It sounds and, like uh, something that a Futurama to tell you the truth. Like some yeah. made up or <laughs> It does sound like a Futurama joke for sure. It sounds like Futurama like doing a parody of a better movie. And they're like unobtainium isn't that fucking stupid everybody? James Cameron's and, like it might be stupid but it's gonna look fantastic. I am James I mean, Cameron. That's what people say too, but like I didn't. Um, I don't know. It like it like ushered in the new age of of uh, 3D movies that we that we enjoyed for a bit, which I, I don't think is as much a thing now. But I no, kind of had resent no. resentment for 3D movies, and I think if we can if we can have this episode also be about ridiculous tangents where we barely talk about Point Break, I want to talk about we... my experience with the revival of 3D movies about ten or so years ago. Yeah, well, for anyone who didn't tune into the first one, I think we talked about Face Off for about 20 minutes out of the two hours, which is pretty yeah. good. It's, it's like a 10% ratio you're going to get of the actual movie before we start going off on tangents. Mm -hmm. Which, again, as I mentioned in the first one, when it started happening, I was like, this is fucking awesome, because this is what it's supposed to be about. <laughs> it's supposed to be more yeah, laid-back conversation. I don't want to come out here and start spitting, like, scene by scene by scene, this movie Point Break. Um Again, it was made in 1991, so if you haven't seen it, like us, I'd recommend going out and seeing it. Um, yeah. Overall, I, I was I really this impressed. This podcast can be about us watching movies that we should have watched a long time ago. There's a lot. There's a lot. Maybe how we string together kind of a, <laughs> this whole thing is like, you know what? I've never seen I've never seen any of the Lethal Weapon movies, so maybe we do one or two never of those. Seen, you've never seen any of the Lethal Weapons? None of them. Well, I've seen number five and six, but I don't think those count because those are always sunny in Philadelphia episodes. Yeah, those... But I, the record, I enjoyed them. <laughs> oh, my God. I, I'm actually blown away that you haven't seen any of the Lethal Weapon because Gary Busey's in, I think, the first one. 
Oh, amazing. Was which, which was I'm awesome. Right because I didn't realize how, like, Gary Busey apparently used to be a fucking all-star Hollywood stud, man. Like, he just, he, he used to be famous as shit, right? And uh, he was probably getting towards the end of his, you know, star star power career era um, around the time this movie came out. You know what I mean? He probably did that in Lethal Weapon, then he probably started to go off the rails. That's, that's funny. Kinda, it kind of went downhill for him. Like, now he's known as being, like, an over-the-top, like, kind of crazy, unstable guy. Yeah. Probably but... a long time, at least. Apparently he's got a son. Somebody told me he's got a son who looks equally as creepy. I, I don't know what Gary Busey looks like nowadays, but uh, he said that his son is an actor now. And I was like, oh, well, big surprise, right? I wouldn't be surprised if he was in the new Point Break. Apparently they remade it in, like, 2016. Yeah. I don't know what that was about. I don't know. We should have watched it. We should have talked about both of them. I don't want to... So, you know, because that's one of those things that we talked about a little bit last time. Was like... What a pain in the ass it is that Hollywood's just going to rehash all these movies and start just remaking it. It's just lazy. You know, like, there's... there's. I know, like, you know, they, they, we, we're getting to that point where there's not a lot of original ideas, so you kind of have to fill the gap and keep the box office busy, but... Well, I mean, I... Di like, I, I think we talked about this quite a bit before we recorded our first episode, but if it were up to me, that's what our this entire podcast would be about. And every episode would just be reviewing a remake... Because there's so it's it's such fertile ground, I think, and it's not new. Because if you if you look back far enough, you know they remade the Maltese Falcon like three times in like eight years or something back in the 30s and 40s. There's like well, there's like yeah. roughly 40 to 50 Dracula movies and Sherlock Holmes movies out there that have been made since the golden age of of film, and mm -hmm. I don't know. There's a, there's a lot of it going around, and it's. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's not as new as people think. Like, some people get the idea that, like, in the 1980s, uh, they stopped having original ideas and started rehashing stuff. Um, and that's true. They have been rehashing stuff since the 1980s, but they've also been doing it since the 1930s, which I think yeah. that it all kind of gets a pass just because it's before everyone's time who's having the conversation right now. Yeah, I, I would agree. I, I think one of those things, though, that I would I would uh, interject would be like so the things like Dracula. I feel like that's like a generational remake that you know, like some of those are acceptable. Do you know what I mean? So, like for me, like, the new Draculas like, compared to the old Draculas, it's like, oh, that's pretty cool shit. But there's literally been like almost fifty of them. Yeah. Many, how long have we had movies for like a hundred years? <laughs> Motion pictures. That's, that's a Dracula. That's a Dracula movie every two years. I'm just imagining what it would have been like to see uh, the Dracula movie where it was all like scene by scene with like captions, and there's a dude playing the fucking piano, like do 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 do, and you're sitting in there like, wow, these are fantastic moving pictures. <laughs> but <laughs> but yeah, no, like I think the the Dracula ones are a, a little. Like I said, I, I think some of them get some a generational get pass. For you. Yeah. Well. I'm just yeah, trying just to think, like, there's movies like that that you're like, you know, when are they going to come out with a new one? Or when are they going to remake it? But, like, there's other series like Spider-Man, where it's like, how many fucking Spider-Mans are you going to have in 15 years? There's too many Spider-Men. Apparently there can't be too many Spider-Men, but, uh, you know, like, what was it, Tobey Maguire, and there was that other guy, and now there's that Tom Hallfield, Hull or Halfield, whatever his name is. Yeah, Andrew Garfield. And Tom Holland is, is the guy now. Mm-hmm. 
there was it wasn't there was like a musical a few years ago on Broadway about Spider Man, I think. Oh, okay. Um there was Into the Spider Verse, which was like seven or eight Spider Man all in the same movie, which was fucking cool. I thought yeah. I, I thought that concept <laughs> was neat. That was, was an original idea. Other than the fact that Spider Man himself as a character has been beaten like a dead horse for, for years and years. That was a fresh take on Spider Man. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I thought that was really, really enjoyable. Actually, uh, I only saw it yeah. the one time, but it, it was enough, and I really enjoyed it. So, I haven't seen a lot of Spider-Man movies. I don't like. I mean, he's right there on the wall behind me. So, yeah, you well, know, make a secret about it that uh, that I'm a, a, a Spider-Man <laughs> fan and kind of always have been. Yeah, well, that's fair. I think that's fair. I mean, he was. Uh, I think he was one of the first action, like one of the first Marvel characters that I'd seen in cartoon and in film. Uh, besides the X-Men, I think. But I think even even the first Spider-Man I saw with Tobey Maguire or whatever, I think that was before, or around the same time as the X-Men. Like, it was long before yeah, they started introducing first, the Marvel uh, Universe. A couple of movies that brought in, like, the new era of superheroes, like, um, I think it was first X-Men and Spider-Man right after, and Spider-Man especially made so much money that, um, you know, movie executives were like, okay, great. Every superhero gets a movie now, and then it was just all like a big, a big kind of like uncoordinated mess until the MCU came out to kind of have some direction with it at least a few years, uh, a few years later. Yeah, and those were obviously smash hits. All of those, I think that was, I think they did really well with Marvel doing that whole thing. Uh, DC, obviously, I don't think they could quite follow suit. I don't know if they're heroes all build up like where you can have you know fuck I'm just trying like mentally I'm going through that list where it's like this is how you should watch all the Marvel Universe movies but it's like can you know can can DC do that like I know they've done DC, really well with Batman yeah, they had a little bit more of a checkered thing I mean there was a there was a while like at the beginning of the of the bit of the whole thing back circa 2000 when X-Men and Spider-Man kind of broke the doors open like every superhero gets a movie now and it was kind of like the Wild West. People were just putting out whatever superhero movie they could get the rights for, you know, with varying success. You had the Blade movie, like all this, uh, all these superhero movies that didn't have connections to other superhero movies. Yeah. Until until um, you know the MCU started with Iron Man in 2008, I think. Um, and then superhero movies had direction, or they at least had direction for a bit, where they're like, we're going to make it kind of interconnected and. So that every movie is kind of like worthwhile in this in a larger tapestry. Um, until then, like DC and Marvel were both kind of like cherry picking whatever, whatever uh, superheroes they can sell the rights, the movie rights for, and just kind of playing it by ear. As yeah. soon as the Avengers came out, uh, DC immediately panicked and was like, "Oh fuck, uh, let's uh, Justice League right now, go right now, just put it out." And kind of uh, can we get Ben Affleck? Can we get Ben Affleck? In- <laughs> Get Ben Affleck on the phone right now. And, you know, uh, it, not not to touch too far back, and, and obviously we'll, we'll eventually get back to Point Break. I'm sure we got a, we got a little bit of time here, but Batman, Batman is another one of those movies that they really fucking generationally remade too. And same with Superman to a point, right? Like those... Yeah, Superman, there was a big enough gap to justify it between, you know, like Christopher Reeve, and then I think the next time we saw Superman on film was... No, well, I guess Brandon Routh had a, had a one-off before Henry Cavill. Yeah. Yeah, Batman has been, mo- like, more so than Spider-Man. 
I think Spider-Man's about to surpass him, to be honest, but more definitely for a time, more so than Spider-Man. Batman was the most rehashed hero. But I'm, I'm trying to think, like, in terms of villains in the Batman movies. Like, mm-hmm. they, who were who the ones that got more than one one movie? Like, we got Joker, yep. obviously. Like, the Joker's been well, done. Yeah, I'd be played by two different guys, two different series, yeah. But, I mean, like, you had... Uh... Bane. Bane was in two of them. Oh, okay, yeah. Different iterations of Bane. He was in Batman and Robin, which everyone says is the worst one, the George Clooney Bat Nipples one. Oh, yeah. He was, like, <laughs> just totally different in uh, Dark Knight Rises. Yeah. He was played by Tom, Hart- Tom Hardy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was uh, that was quite a change. I'm just trying to think of the George Clooney one, I think, where they introduced Robin. Was that with Mr. Freeze? Uh, they introduced Robin in Batman Forever, which is where you had Tommy Lee Jones playing Two-Face, and you had uh, Jim Carrey playing the That's Riddler. That's right. Yeah. When he was, like, just on top of the fucking world, Jim Carrey, at that point. Um, yeah. And then Batman, Batman and Robin was the next one. Uh, where they introduced Batgirl, and that was that was Arnold Schwarzenegger playing Mister Freeze, and uh, who else? Uma Thurman's Poison Ivy. Yeah, and some some whoever the fuck was playing Bane, but it was like <laughs> not. I'm just remembering Bane's that scene like where really he's like smart guy who like uh, is at like outwitting Batman is like great tactician and all this stuff, and they literally made him like a Frankenstein. Like, Durr! <laughs> I think Poison Ivy gave him orders like, "Go beat those guys up." He's like, "Okay," and like was barely. barely uh, <laughs> I'm controlled by poison. It's like that doesn't make any sense. Purple, so. You know what I mean? Like, he was like, just a like Bane on mushrooms. He was just a zombie, really. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, I mean, and, and it works in terms of in the theme and the theory. You know, theoretically, it works. He's just got spores in his brain. That makes sense. You say, I don't know. I, I just love when fucking Arnold Schwarzenegger's Mr. Freeze character sends out all his goons and they all have hockey sticks and they're like shooting pucks at Batman and stuff. <laughs> like beating oh yeah, stuff. and then Batman's like, good thing I brought my skates too and of course Batman's boots have like retractable ice skates. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, maybe he wants to skate around the Rockefeller Center or sorry, whatever Gotham has instead of the Rockefeller Center. <laughs> but we all know it's New York. Jesus Christ, we all know it's New York. <laughs> oh, it is. Hmm. That's true. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, so in terms of generational remakes, yeah, like I said, I, a few of them get a pass, and I did like a lot of the new Batmans. I, I, I quite yeah, there's been them. some. I mean, like, DC, to talk about DC, like, despite the fact that, like, there was some real garbage that uh, came out when they were just kind of, like, rushing together a Justice League movie with, like, minimal setup, um, a lot of the stuff, like after the dust kind of settled from that, DC's had some pretty good hits. Like I, I really like Shazam. Uh, I don't know if you saw Birds of Prey. I think it just came out like a year ago. It was Birds of Prey was awesome. Oh, okay, I didn't uh, see that one. That's it's when good. When you said, said Shazam, I just pictured Shaq. <laughs> that's Shazam. Yeah, no, that's I think <laughs> I remember what Shazam was team. after. I was just like. Shazam was okay. Well, that's I dream of Genie. I think you're like I don't know, man. I'm, I'm, Genies get confusing, man. I think they've they've got it. They got a hold on me or something like that. But but Shazam, I never saw either. But I saw the ads for it, and it actually looked like it was going to be a pretty good movie. I uh... yeah, it was awesome, and it was like the first thing where I thought like, okay, DC's not like the they've they've lightened up from their like super dark heavy metal like our movies are no fun kind of thing, and like. <laughs> 
kind of be fun a little bit, which was cool. And um, yeah, then Birds of Prey was really good. Um, Aquaman too. I didn't want to like Aquaman because Aquaman <laughs> is cheesy as fuck. I don't think but anyone man, wanted to like uh, Aquaman, but I feel like I hate that I liked Aquaman, but I really liked it. Like it was a good time. They did a I good job. That. They did a good Movie. job with Jason Momoa, right? Because I mean, like. At that point in time, it was either like, hey, we're going to go see Aquaman, or the girlfriend, or the wife, or whoever's like, oh, let's go see Aquaman. You're like, damn it. All right, we'll go do this. Like, I like comic book stuff, and yes, I get why you want to go see it. I, I too, was dragged there by my wife. I don't want to generalize, but I'm assuming if, you know, if the woman in your life isn't a big comic book fan, and they took you to see that movie, it wasn't for the movie. It was for the actor. <laughs> As, as his poor performance is so enthralling. It was. It was. I mean, I saw the ads. I mean, and he, he's pretty much great in everything he does. So, <laughs> I don't know. There's some show on Apple TV he's on now where nobody can see, but they do a whole bunch of shit where you'd be like, you have to be able to see to do that stuff. But we digress. We digress. We do digress. That's true. It's extremely, yeah. So, I mean, we've been, we've been I on we digress my digression because I, I wanted to talk about how <laughs> we brought up Avatar. Yeah. I want to talk about uh, my my hate relationship with three uh, D movies, but well, let's get that out of the way right now. Maybe because... we can save it for another day. I don't know. Well, Point Break could have easily been a three D movie, right? So let's let's get let's get that out of the way. <laughs> what is your All big right. qualm with three D movies? I don't even know if I have a qualm with them now, but at the time, I think just being like a contrarian, like Avatar came out, and I heard it was like just rehashing Pocahontas, so I was like, yeah, no thanks. But everyone said that uh, the visuals were great, and it was it was the first 3D movie of like new era. They're like the first 3D movie I can remember since like people were wearing the two like red and blue lenses to go see like cheesy 80s horror movies kind of thing. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So I didn't see Avatar, and I was like, I'm proud that I didn't see Avatar. I'm not a sheep. Good for me. Because <laughs> I don't know, I was like a 20 year old fucking arrogant blowhard then, like many of us were. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, I put it off for the longest time. I had no interest, and then I was finally like, "Well, I guess I'll watch it." And I didn't like it. And it's funny that I saw the, the modern like uh, 3D movies was like a couple buddies dragged me to go see uh, Clash of the Titans. I think. Oh, okay. I've it's, seen that. Which one. is a, a bad movie in general. It is. Um, it is. <laughs> yeah, I love Greek mythology, but that movie was just I don't know, it just stunk. I can't even remember what I hated so much about it, but. It, it was just, it yeah, was a bad it, film. It was, it was great action, but it was a bad movie. You know, if you wanted to sit down and lose your mind, like just drop your brain, like stop all thinking and just watch Mindless Killing. Good, good film in that sense. Yeah. But I think it's, it's funny uh, that that whole 3D concept. I remember when I finished Avatar and I told someone I didn't like it. They're like, oh, you'd like it if you saw it in 3D. Why? Why would I, does 3D make the plot thicker? Because it was fucking pretty thin. You just don't have the right TV to enjoy that movie. So the problems with you and your broke ass lifestyle, not the movie itself, not being compelling. So yeah, checkmate. You know what? I am. I would. I would be inclined to agree with you. If I had a 3D TV, I bet you Avatar would have been a much more enjoyable film. It wasn't because I did see it in 3D later on, and you know didn't want to, but we were no, at, I was at be somebody's sorry. place. I, I, I think the first 3D absolutely. movie I saw though was with Josh. We went to. Watch Jackass 3D. No, <laughs> to watch oh, Jackass 3D. 
wasn't worth it. I don't know why we'd want oh, yeah. to watch well, that another movie that was like made for 3D. I think yeah. a lot of those movies released around those time they were put out in 3D just because 3D is a thing, and they felt like this is a great way to make a few few extra bucks at the box office. Mm-hmm. But they weren't like made for 3D. Like they weren't filmed with the appropriate camera. I don't know. I'm no I'm no expert on the the tech side of things, but they weren't filmed with the appropriate types of cameras and and whatnot, and the right post production. Uh, procedure that that things like avatar were so um they just made them kind of 3d in post-production just to do it like when i went to see clash of the titans um and it was just blurry like i got a headache for the first 15 or 20 minutes and then mm-hmm. eventually i went away but then i was just stuck with uh like a, a you know like a, a subpar action movie yeah mediocre that, at best uh, i would say that that had terrible picture like the 3d like maybe it's gotten a lot better since then but the 3d like uh just just made the action very blurry and i couldn't tell what was going on yeah i think it has its place um i think 3d would probably be a lot better for say children do you know what i mean like yeah or a movie that's like if they do it appropriately because like i didn't see it avatar but if like if they're if they're doing it movies if they make 3D more deliberately um, and there's a way to make it so that, you know, the action looks better and it's not quite as blurry and the picture's better and everything like that, then a lot of a lot of experiences, I think, would be better, uh, made better by the fact that, uh, that the movie's 3D, uh, but not all of them. Like, when I saw End of the Spider-Verse, I think I saw it, like, a year after it was released on, on Blu-ray or something or, or on Netflix. Yeah. And yeah. I, I really love that movie, actually. It's one of my favorites. Um, just like one of my favorite movies, period. And uh, the visuals in that are really, really good. Like it's a really color-forward uh, movie. A lot, very, a lot of colors going on, and and it's uh, there's a lot of visual like um, scene changes made to look like a comic book, and it's a, a very like beautiful, like good-looking movie visually. And I immediately after I saw it, I I thought, man, I should not only should I have gone to see this in theaters, but I should have gone to see it in 3D in theaters. Because I think it yeah. was a perfect movie that would have been enhanced by 3D. Like I'm sure if I had the good sense to see it in theaters when it came out, um, I probably would have went right back to the theater after afterwards. Like I'm ready to see this in 3D right now. You just buy two tickets at the box office. I want the 7:30 and the 10:15. I'm gonna I'm gonna be back. Well, I would have come out of the 7:30 and been like, <laughs> "Well, that was awesome. Is it playing in 3D in 10:15? Because if so, let let's go." Yeah, absolutely. Like, what this looks like in 3D. <laughs> And I think that's that's one of those things where you're saying like, oh, they don't have the right equipment for 3D to make it look good in some of these movies. But when you have something like an animated movie, I think it's it's much easier to incorporate the 3D effects, right? I think, and that would have been awesome. Yeah, I think it's wild. Like some movies don't need the 3D effect because it doesn't really enhance the experience. Just because you know the movie might not be like visually striking enough because that's not really what it's trying to do. What have yeah. you? But in others, if it's if it's a like a visually uh, a, it is like a visually forward movie, and it's it's you know doing something unique like it Inspire First did. Then then the 3D would like really serve it well if it enhanced it, right? If if it if it's worth if it, it enhances, yeah, it's the if it's the right type of movie that it enhances it. So I've kind of made my piece theoretically, even though I haven't been to a 3D movie in forever. I've kind of made my piece with like maybe it has its place, so maybe it's not so bad. But I do maintain that back uh, you know right after Avatar came out. And they put out every movie in 3D just because that was a dumb decision, and it made a lot of 
ugly movies look even uglier. Yeah, I think it was just a cash grab. If if you wanted to ever reboot something, that the three D initial era was the time to do it. Greasy J Squeeze says, "I wish real life was three D." And uh, <laughs> yeah, sometimes, sometimes life seems pretty fucking two dimensional. But I don't know, man. I could see my hand, and it gets closer. But I don't have to wear glasses that hurt my head. You know who I feel the worst for when it comes to three D movies is people who actually wear glasses, like have to wear glasses to watch movies. Because like then mm-hmm. you gotta wear glasses on glasses, and it's like, well, f- fuck, that's annoying, right? And nobody yeah. wants to really do that. And they're like, oh, well, you can just put in contacts. It's like, well, fuck, man. Like I don't, I don't have to worry about it. But that's such an inconvenience for, you know. That like, is so. Like uh, to think like, oh well, you know, I better put down my glasses and find like, do I still have contacts? Like maybe you're not a person who wears contacts all the time. Like, mm-hmm. do I still have contacts from like? that I wore like last time I went to a wedding or whatever like let me find him so I can go see what I don't know like Ace Ventura 5 or something yeah no shit Ace Ventura 5 yeah they could probably redo Ace Ventura with um Kevin Hart I was guess I was gonna say Kevin Hart yeah I was just Kevin Hart's short guy from Jumanji right what's, what's his name which yeah another remake was fantastic those Jumanji movies man I thought those were pretty cool those are other ones that are in the same camp as Aquaman for me. Like, I didn't expect to like those movies, but I really, I really did. I have a hard time not liking any movie Jack Black is in, though, and that's just, that's just me. Like, almost everything Jack Black's been in, I've enjoyed, I've enjoyed thoroughly. Um, I agree. I even yeah. like The Pick of Destiny. Today's just in The Pick of Destiny. Most people hate that movie. I've seen that, I've seen that movie so many damn times. I don't, I don't know. get the hate. I, I don't know, man. Like, it was just one of those movies that we'd throw on uh, in my parents' garage. Like, my buddies would come over and, like, oh, what are we going to do? Oh, we're just hanging out. We'll, we'll fucking throw on the Pick of Destiny. Okay. It was kind of like how we had one Rage Against the Machine CD in one of those old boom boxes, you know? Like, probably dating yeah. myself here. But yeah, we used to have a live Rage album. And I used to play that, I think, two summers in a row. Um, just Rage Against the Machine, Rage Against the Machine. And I'm sure the neighbors know it just as well as I did at that point in time it was loud we played it real loud <laughs> Greasy J saying apparently they're actually making an Ace Ventura 3 which was it gonna have Jim Carrey well didn't they try to do that already I feel like they tried to make Ace Ventura 3 like back in the day and Jim Carrey just wasn't down so they made a spinoff with, with like Ace Ventura Jr. with like a kid yeah uh, I don't know how much of that is true or how much I'm just making up because I misremember it, but... I feel like sometimes, like, producers and executive producers, like, they get all this money for this movie idea they have. They're like, let's do this. Let's produce this film. We have all this cash. Let's do it. And the guy's like, like, Jim Carrey was like, no, I'm not doing it. They're like, well, we have the money. We're pretty sure no matter what we put out with Ace Ventura on it, it's going to make money. So who cares if it bombs? Enough people will see it on the first weekend that we'll make our money back. And with children actors, I mean, you can just pay them, I don't know, in, in candy, can't you? Isn't that yeah, what eventually happened with Macaulay Culkin? I mean, I'm pretty sure his parents stole all their his money. Their parents and their lawyers <laughs> are all perfectly fine being paid in Tootsie Rolls for sure. Kevin, fantastic day on or fantastic day on the set of Home Alone. Here's a, here's a Tootsie Pop and uh, get lost. His parents <laughs> are just lost. like, we're going to go rent a Ferrari and crash it and eventually abandon you. And <laughs> 
I don't know what happened with this story. I just see Macaulay Culkin made out better than that man. Like, I know he did. I I saw him on a a, a podcast. podcast and he's talking about podcast. hanging out. Tell you that much. He was like, "Well, you know, I'm just hanging out in my villa in France." It's like, "Ah, oh, you fucker! Your parents didn't steal that much of your money." <laughs> Houses <laughs> all over America and France. Good for him. No, I, I mean, mean Richie Rich was a documentary. <laughs> He's got a safe in Mount Rushmore, all his Home Alone memorabilia that he's eventually waiting to pawn off when it when it gains <laughs> value. Like right up Roosevelt's nose or something. Yeah, you gotta jam it up somebody's nose. It can't just be out all willy nilly. You can't just build a platform in one of their mouths and have you know. I mean, Lincoln's nose would have room, so it's probably there. Does Lincoln have a top hat on Mount Rushmore? I don't think I've ever actually. The last time I would have seen Mount Rushmore would have been. Don't that think movie. so. I'm gonna say no. Okay, I was gonna say actually the last time I, I would have seen it on film would have been Team America, but obviously that wasn't even a real shot of Mount Rushmore. What? Team America wasn't a documentary. I mean, it was. It was in a sense, but a marionette documentary was there. A, is there a term for that? A documentary done entirely with marionettes. A marionettery. No. no. I was I was trying to, going to try to make that joke like a marionette, but then I was like not worth it, so I just said no. No, let me do that. I'll I'll say all the stupid shit anyways. It's it's, it's bound to happen, especially with the the whiskey that's going to continue to flow. The first thing I have in my notes is that uh, Johnny Utah has got to be a fake name. I, okay, that's like, yeah, that's like a porn star alias or something. Like you're not right? just like walking into the. You know, applying for a job in the FBI, like uh, Utah, first name Johnny. <laughs> I, thought, I thought he was already undercover when he introduced himself as Johnny Utah. Well, I'm that's, like, yeah. that, that's like a name that, like, like Austin Powers or something. Like, you should have. There should be a whole franchise of like the Johnny Utah movies. Like, you know what? Name, like a character that's that's bigger than the movie already, kind of. I feel like that was actually the working title for John Wick. But he's like, no, I've already played a Johnny Utah, and I don't repeat myself. And they're just like, damn it, we had this whole franchise lined around John Utah. Oh, you, you mean Keanu Reeves, upcoming star of the upcoming Matrix Four, doesn't repeat himself? Well, <laughs> oh, good is there for a him. Matrix Four? Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, there's going to be a Matrix Four. I thought they left it off on a whatever. Keanu Reeves and and uh, Carrie Ann Moss are both still are both going to be zombies in that movie or something. I don't know. They pretty definitively died in the mm -hmm. Matrix. Spoilers if you haven't seen the Matrix Three. I think I think it's safe to say at this point in time, if you haven't seen the Matrix Three and we spoiled something for you, that's your own fault. It's not our yeah. fault. Like you know, if it, we were like, if we were going to start it, dropping that new Marvel show, spoilers, yeah, I'd be like, oh, that's kind of a dick move. But it's we the should spoil Falcon on Soldier right now. <laughs> Just say the ending. One, two, three, go. Ah. <laughs> Oh, that's, that's a I, I did watch it last night. I had quite a bit of fun watching that last night. But uh, but yeah, Johnny Utah, totally a made up name. Obviously, it's a made up yeah, name for not, the movie. But not, like, like, you can't have a character named Johnny Utah and and like have him be a normal guy, kind of. You know what I mean? Like he's it's got to be. I don't know. The movie's got to be at least as silly as that name. If it had like, if he introduced himself as like Johnny, and they're like, "Oh, where are you from?" He's like Utah. They're like, hey, "Utah Johnny." I would have bought it. I would have. I would have been like, "All right, he's from Utah, new guy, Utah Jones." I'm sitting there thinking now. I'm thinking when they put out Raiders of the Lost Ark, was Indiana Jones too silly a name? 
And I don't think so, because it was like a genre movie that was supposed to be kind of silly a little bit, and like he was supposed to, and obviously he went on to be a, like a franchise character. Mm-hmm. But it's not like Johnny Utah is supposed to be like a character that's like in a bunch of over-the-top movies where it's like Johnny Utah in, and you know, it's like his third like... movie related to Point Break or something. <laughs> I don't know. Is this is the, am I just his name might as well have been like Steve Vermont or like Andrew Steve Montana. <laughs> like I really could give a shit less. Chuck, New Jersey. I, the, one of the notes I made because I only made notes up to like the 18 minute mark and it was just like Utah. Who the fuck's last name is the state? Like yeah, did, did his silly. did his ancestors found Utah? You know what I mean? Like it just seems like it's at some point in time, his family got into trouble. They're like, duh, uh, we're the Utahs. And they're like, oh, from Utah? They're like, no, we're, we're just the Utahs. And it, Can we talk a bit more about, like, the plot? Because I feel like that was something maybe lacking in our last one. We we made comments about this and that <laughs> movie Face Off, but I feel like anyone who's never seen Face Off would have walked away from from listening to us being even more confused. <clears throat> I don't I, think it's I think really so, positive. yeah, yeah. All right, yeah, we can absolutely so touch on the plot. Utah that we introduced is a is a brand new FBI agent mm-hmm. uh, who uh, who uh, shows up at a new bureau in uh, Los Angeles. Yeah, and then we're uh, we're kind of taken through his his first day as he's talking to the uh, I don't know be the director or the chief or the John C. McGinley one of actually one of my favorite performances in this movie by John C. McGinley. Yeah. The, uh, the head of the FBI office that he's in and uh, just introduces him to the to the whole place and every fucking line that John C. McGinley has in this movie is gold and he he plays it well he does he even falls down well we'll, we'll get into he's that he's <laughs> son of a bitch in this movie and it's great he's just telling everybody off it's like anybody anybody does any anything anyone does anything in his in his bureau and he's just like you sit here and you have the audacity to do your fucking job, and he's just like losing it. <laughs> fucking surfers, really? It's like for a straight edge guy, he's got a lot of pent up aggression and rage. You know what I oh, mean? Like he's, he's fucking done. Like he was done with Gary Busey working in his department like two years ago. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Like Gary Busey's the guy. Like he he fucking like wakes up. He goes to bed on Sunday night before he goes to work on Monday morning. He's like. I'm going to have to see that fucking asshole Gary Busey when I go to work tomorrow. I hate that fucking guy so much. He's got his face on a dartboard just fucking, God, I hate Mondays. Just throwing darts in Gary Busey's face. <laughs> Basically. But yeah, well, well, Keanu Reeves is starting out at this, uh, in this new uh, gig in the FBI mm-hmm. and gets assigned to be uh, Gary Busey's uh, partner. Um there's a there's a bank robbery by these uh, these these four guys wearing uh, president masks. And they refer to themselves uh, as the presidents. Yeah, the ex presidents. <clears throat> yeah. They, uh, they run in. Uh, they rob the bank real quick. They just take the money out of the tills basically, and and don't go near the vault. And they and they fucking bounce. Ninety and, seconds door uh, to door. That's their motto. Yeah. And then uh, ninety seconds, they're in and out, and. Uh, They've been doing it for, what, like three years or something like that? Like a long time? I think he said four years and they've hit like 32 banks or something like that. But they only happen yeah. in the summer. That was that and was Gary, Gary Busey's, Busey's yeah. Yeah, that's part of this whole like uh, rabbit hole theory about them being surfers, which uh, everyone hates this theory for some can, reason. Can, we just, can we just touch on that whole theory for a bit? 
because that was within the first 20 minutes when I was making notes and like so they they get the first robbery of the summer and they're like oh hey buddy why don't you tell your new partner about your fucking theory that everyone really loves at the office and he yeah, they, they, like, they're like, it's a big joke theory. Like, everyone thinks you're fucking stupid for having this theory. But let's be honest. Like, in, in the film, within three minutes, he has Keanu Reeves convinced that that's a legit theory. He's like, surf It's up, not dude. a bad theory. Like, I can see it not panning out, not being right. But it's not like he, he like... It's not like he suggested that they're like aliens from the moon, but that's how everybody treats them. When he brings up this theory, he's like, what if they're surfers? And they're like, oh, what if they're surfers? This fucking guy over here. Like, oh, yeah, because there's so many surfers in California. <laughs> how are they going to be surfers if they rob banks? There's no there's no waves to surf at the bank, you dumbass. Like, they really give it to this guy, like... It would have been so better if there was, like, an oceanfront yes. bank with, like, a surf-up fucking ATM-style thing. Like, it would have been a lot more like, oh, maybe they are. <laughs> but, <laughs> but... If someone, like, there's, like, there's someone opens the door and a big wave just flows in and, like... Put the money in the bag, in his big mask surfs in and just, like, snatches money out of the teller's hand and then surfs out the door. He's just stealing social security checks as people are, like, lining up. He's like, yoink, yoink, yoink. But they just, they yeah, they really are just not down with this theory. Like, the fact that he has the audacity to suggest that, like, maybe they're surfers and maybe that's an angle that you can play to find out more about him is just treated like this guy's lost his mind. Yeah, and they kind of make like, note of that. Like, he's like... Down, maybe got there in a silly way, but it's like, it's it's just a suggestion that they're surfers, like... Well, it's just so funny, I thought, like, that whole scene, because like, he's like, I've been in this for... The center of the earth. Yeah, but he's like, I've been in this for 22 years and blah, blah, blah. Then Keanu Reeves gets him to yell at him. He's like, you fucking, you angry? That means you're alive, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, yeah, he's been in it 22 years. Nobody takes his opinion seriously. Then all of a sudden it takes three minutes to convince Keanu Reeves that they're surfers. And then all of a sudden it's and like, then that's all he needs. Right? Then, he's just going, then, then he's just going all into this surfer theory. Yeah. And um, John C. McGinley is so pissed off that they, that they, that they dare to do this. Why is he mad, bro? I'm surfing all my own time. <laughs> Shut up, Keanu. <laughs> I'm Gary Busey. You'll never be as popular as me in the Hollywood scene. <laughs> um, he probably, probably was a conversation that happened. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. He's like, listen here. Like, I'm sure it wasn't even that much of acting for Gary Busey. He's like, this young fucking punk does one stupid movie about wanting to save the world with rock and roll and travels through history. Thinks he can come in here and step into the action world. Was that the, like the only thing he, Keanu had really done of note at this point? I don't you know. know I would as, I would assume it would be fairly close, but I didn't realize that Keanu Reeves was such an action star. Like I thought one of his because I'd never seen Point Break. I didn't realize even when it was made. I would have assumed Speed would have been his first action movie. Yeah, but, Speed's a big one. Speed, I'm pretty sure, was after this. Oh, definitely, definitely. Yeah. It definitely feels like watching this movie like I'm I'm catching up with a huge blind spot cuz like we were talking about how like we know we both knew about like the concept of point break like I knew what this movie was and I had seen like the references they made in Hot Fuzz Oh and, yeah and uh mm-hmm. like I mean like you have like so many well I mean like the two main characters are such iconic actors especially in today's age right like you know with Patrick Swayze and Keanu Reeves, like those, I would assume those are almost household names across North America. Like, yeah, everyone Swayze knows who Keanu Reeves is. And... 
Swayze, right? I mean, yeah. fucking Roadhouse and Ghost. Oh my God, Ghost. I'm just <laughs> Roadhouse. I'd... Roadhouse was big. Dirty Dancing was pretty huge. Yeah, but I mean, like he was big. Everyone knew Patrick Swayze. Yeah. Did and you then... catch the uh, reference in there? I think it's when um, I didn't like. That's another thing is I I didn't really <clears throat> just watching this once yesterday and never having seen it before. I didn't really clock like the exact moment they started to suspect Swayze and his buddies of being the ex-presidents. But when they did, there was a conversation that uh, that Keanu had with uh, with uh, Gary Busey's character there, and he says uh, like, "Oh, I followed them. I followed them through whole, their whole day, and they go and surf in the morning. Then they do this." And he says they always stop for dinner at Patrick's Roadhouse, and oh. uh, I was like, "Hey, that's uh, from you know the what? other movie." I'm sure when I watched it, I don't know which part it would have been, probably the second part of three that I watched it in. I'm sure I caught that, and I was like, <laughs> Roadhouse, but I'd, I didn't remember it until you just brought it up. Yeah, I had it in my notes. I was like, oh, I get it. I get it. That's a thing from the other thing, and I I get the thing. <laughs> Goddamn Hollywood, and they're rehashing old fucking ideas, and just they had to steal it. They had to do it. Well, that's just kind of like a reference. It's like some one it's, of the writers. It, yeah. And at some point was like, oh, what if we reference Swayze's other movie, which is awesome. I also wonder if maybe it was an actual restaurant in California. No, I'm not too maybe. sure. Because like, obviously like, like they, they stick pretty, pretty true. Just like, something they just wanted to put in there is like a little well, IMDB trivia pages didn't even exist back then, but you know, just in that same vein. Just to reward the Swayze fans. Yeah. So they could high five or be like, "Oh, he said the thing from the other thing we saw last year. This is awesome." There's like four surfer guys, and they're like, "Dude, Roadhouse!" And they're just high five. A bunch of dudes with fucking dirty white beaters and long blonde mullets, and they're like, "Swayze for life, bro. Ghost is awesome." <laughs> and they get all just have their little, <laughs> just... <laughs> their little Whoopi Goldberg, five. Patrick Swayze, what? <laughs> just losing their shit. <laughs> Oh and no! Somebody <laughs> just turned around and Peter's like, "Excuse me, could you keep it down? I'm trying as hard as I can to enjoy Point Break." This has nothing to do with structural engineering. And they just stand up and, <laughs> and leave the movie. There's no one reference to tensile strength. I'm very disappointed in this whole Point Break situation. Because that's another thing too, right? Like going to see these kind of movies in theaters. Like, I'm sure you got the ads for it and stuff, but. It's not like you can go online, and you could go online. I don't think you really could back then, and, like, get reviews. And, like, there was no Rotten no. Tomato. There was just the critics, right? There was no discussion about it on Reddit threads or any of that stuff. Like, people didn't know. Like, we we take this for granted these days because, like, nowadays if you're, like, if you're, like, tangentially interested in whatever a movie's about, like, two years before it's released, you're getting, like, you're scrolling through your Facebook feed and you see some article about, like, disputes with the director versus the executive producer and like who's being cast and like what it's being adapted from and like you you can follow the whole production of the movie like yeah. back then like you knew like six months prior you go to see a different movie and they play a trailer for this movie and you're like oh there's surfers who rob banks well maybe we'll go see that in August and that's all there is to it really like that's as much yeah. as you know and, and like people didn't really know about how movies are made or, or follow their production or anything like that. Yeah, well, it's funny you even say that because Jill watched that last blockbuster 
uh, documentary on Netflix or whatever it was. And, like, I remember going to Blockbuster and, <clears throat> like, we're, we're so spoiled today in terms of what we're able to, to view at any given point in time. Like, do you remember going to Blockbuster or, you know, Jumbo Video or Rogers Video, whatever, wherever you could rent videos and, like, mm-hmm. looking at a video, like, you'd go to the action section as a kid or the horror section. You'd go to a section. You're like, I'm interested in seeing this kind of movie. And you'd go there and you'd look through and you're like, okay, okay, this title looks good. This title looks good. And then you'd pull one out and you're like, this looks awesome. And you look on the back and there's like four pictures of scenes and there's a synopsis mm-hmm. and it's like top FBI agent, blah, 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 blah. You're like, this sounds fucking dope. And you know, yeah. you rent one or two movies, it's but you go home. Or on the back, just like <laughs> right? this movie, blow your face off. Yeah. Stars, little kid. Prepare to have your foreskin peeled back. You're like, I don't know what that means. I'm only ten, and, and so, but you get home. That's when your mom kind of picks up the case. Is like, maybe we can go get something else. No, that's the thing. Parents are just like, the, the parents are picking out their movie, and they're like, good, we got a TV downstairs for these little bastards to go watch their shitty movies. Man, they like, what a great like the the event of going to rent movies was half the fun back in the day. I think I'd typically spend anywhere between unless I knew exactly like there was a new release and you had to get there quick to rent it because there was only 50 copies and there's 100 people going for it I could oh, easily yeah. spend like an hour in Blockbuster right? Even that too like how, uh, how there, there'd be like a new release and like after school on Friday you'd be like come on dad hurry up we gotta get to Blockbuster before like all the <laughs> I don't even know I'm trying to think of a movie before all the the VHS tapes of Batman, Dad, Lion, Lion King rape. one and a half is fucking fresh out, and he's like, Christ! Oh, I can nobody, barely sit through the first one. Nobody's rushing to Blockbuster for Lion King one and a half. That was a effective <laughs> video. If Blockbusters uh, existed today, my kid would be the guy running because apparently he's just thoroughly excited about Lion King one, Lion King one and a half, Lion King two, Lion King live action remake. It's well, just, I mean, oh. that's fair. Kids are going to like what they like. But I mean, like, nobody like the, the releases that were like, you know, you, you had to rush to Blockbuster to get them. Those yeah. were the ones that were like they'd come out in theaters. They were a big hit in theaters. And then, you know, they disappeared off the face of the earth for a few months. And then, oh, they're being released on, on tape or on DVD. And, and then you rush down to try to rent them on Friday afternoon before everyone else yeah, got them. Yeah, and you know what's well, funny? One and a half, like any of the, any of the de- direct-to-video, like, uh, <laughs> Disney sequels, yeah. even if you like those movies, like, they didn't have the hype. Like, they didn't have the legs. They'd have four to, copies to be, at Blockbuster, like, and none of them would be rented out. <laughs> like, half of the, like, like the, movie, the movie releases that came out in theaters that then got, like, their big release was, like, an event in and of itself when they came out on video... Th- those were taking up like a whole wall to themselves you know what yeah. i mean yeah new releases there'd be like three like, walls the whole wall of lion king releases, one and a half right? lion king too in fact i think like isn't that what got michael eisner fired from being the ceo of disney i might be like this is just stuff i've overheard so i don't know how how legit it is but i think like uh, he he commissioned like like our like when we were kids like in the in the 90s and early 2000s there were like all these like like yeah, they were just making sequels, like unasked for sequels to like classic Disney film, like Little Mermaid two, and like all the Aladdin sequels and stuff. And they were like just making them cheap, like the animation wasn't up to snuff compared to big releases. And I'm they just thinking of all the remake like, titles they could have come up with, like Pocahontas, the Indians fight back, and like just how fucking unsubtle <laughs> Disney was back in the '90s. Like they just Pocahontas, didn't give a fuck. This time it's personal. Pocahontas two. 
<laughs> like it wasn't personal the first time. They're like, this time it's really personal. Like, this time it's more personal. Yeah, but I mean, like that. Uh, I I think that like what I heard is like, and then like those those movies were like half the time they never got the original cast, either because the original cast was dead. They got Nathan the Lane. First movie was released in the fifties, or the, or because like they just didn't want to pay, like the the actual original cast to come back. Yeah, and like uh, it was kind of ruining Disney's reputation. So I think like a bunch of the a bunch of the you know, uh, people on the board at Disney, like Walt Disney's grandkids and stuff, were like, "Hey, listen, Eisner, you gotta go. Like, you're tanking our reputation here." He's like, "I think I'm that's when your he reputation." Was on Here's Lion King too. Fuck you. And they're like, "Yeah, you're out. <laughs> you're done, buddy." <laughs> but you know what? Like you were saying, like that electric boogaloo or whatever. Yeah, but that whole rush, like that Friday afternoon rush to get that movie. So many times I'd done that as a kid, like rush to Blockbuster and like as soon as you get home or you go to your buddy's house, you're like, we got to go, we got to go right now. And like you'd all hop on your bikes or whatever and rush to the store. I can't for the life of me remember one fucking movie title that I got there <laughs> and it was out. But I know it happened all the time. Ace Ventura 2 was a big one for me. Oh, okay. Okay. Which is a good Ace Ventura movie, by the way. The first Ace Ventura movie kind of sucks. And I think part of my uh, coming of age... As, as a young man becoming an adult was uh, making peace with the fact that Ace Ventura 1 sucks and Ace Ventura 2 is awesome I would give it uh, yeah I, I would give this I think the second one is the better one 100% the first one I'll watch now it's and like I kind of I chuckle serious like he's good like he's good in Ace Ventura but like the whole movie he's in is like is like a it's it's like Point Break really like in tone, and he's just like a cartoon man who's like out of place in his own movie because nothing else in the movie is like silly like him, and in the second movie they they like amp they have like some silly elements so he makes sense in the world that he's in, even though he's still the, like the craziest zaniest part of the of the world that he that movie exists in like. Mm -hmm. It's just so over the top, right? Like when he dresses up in the tutu to get to the mental institution. Yeah, but like no, nobody else has like none of the rest of the movie is any fun. Like no other character cracks a joke or says something silly or is anything other. Like if it weren't for Ace Ventura, you replace him with like somebody else who doesn't make jokes, then it's not a comedy anymore. You have like a like a gritty detective drama. He could have you okay. know, if you if you replaced <laughs> it with Tommy Lee Jones, it would have been a great drama film. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I, I could give you that. Yeah. Exactly, but the the second Ace Ventura movie is like the the tone of the movie suits him a lot more. I like think with the silly because... guy at the at the resort that he's in at first, or like when he goes and like loses the fight to that uh, to that like uh, warrior and that one like hardcore African drive, then they all laugh at him and they're like, "Oh, you're like a sissy girl," and like that's how he gets them to like him, and they're on his side, like. None of that stupid stuff has happened in the first movie. No, no. Like they, I think they really played it up into the, the more of the over-the-top comedy in the second one, which was much more enjoyable as a kid because you didn't really care about the Miami Dolphins as a kid. I don't think anyone cares about the Miami Dolphins now. Who, are they I even? didn't. Yeah, I didn't know who Dan Marino was. No, no. It, it, to me as a kid, like it was, it wasn't the same. But I remember that second one when he tries to save that raccoon. That was scarring. <laughs> oh yeah that was uh, oh man that was heartbreaking for that raccoon yeah 
just the first scene of the movie and then you move on to something else and like as a as a like a 10 year old you're just like but but is the raccoon okay but you know what they recovered really well with the slinky slinky everyone loves a slinky <laughs> Oh, when stops it stops on the very last step. We gotta do it again. We gotta do. We gotta do like a double header episode where we do both Ace Ventura movies at once. I think that's especially be, if they're actually if Don's right and they're actually making an Ace Ventura three, then I'm then I'm all for it. We could do like a pre-release, a pre-release yeah. podcast for the third one for sure, for sure. But you're right about uh, about like the excitement of trying to get the the the, the big hype new release on uh, from blockbuster that was a great feeling and another great feeling from blockbuster is when you uh go rent a video game mm-hmm. and you play it all weekend and you give it back to the video store and then the next weekend you like the game so much that you go and rent it again so you rent it and you bring it home and your save slot from a week ago from last weekend is still there on because you've got the same cartridge and nobody fucks with your save slot I was just gonna say, like, I remember when they started coming out with like uh, memory packs for like the N sixty four and stuff like that. So like, it didn't matter. That's yes, we save it console now, <laughs> right? Yeah, but, but it... like it was saved on the cartridge of the game itself. So when mm-hmm. you when you, got, when you just lucked into getting the same cartridge, and right? nobody had like had like since rented it, and that and was then that was the, the trick. Slot. The the trick yeah. was is like so you get like uh, like Mario sixty four. <clears throat> You don't ever put your save file as save file A. You put it as B or C, because chances are the person that rents it next is going to go right to A, delete new one, uh-huh. right? And then you're just like, nobody wants to touch save file C. Who gives a shit? And then that's smart. Boom. Well, see, I had like me and my brothers would all want our same save file, so I was like save file A, and they take B and C, and then yeah, yeah. If you, when you're sharing, right? And I was going to be getting erased. It was going to be mine. I remember some nights I'd go to bed because I was younger and I'd have to go to bed and then I'd wake up the next morning and like levels were beat. And oh. I'd be like, you guys got to stay up later than me? Brother messing <laughs> with your save slot? No, oh, he would just sucks. like, he would keep playing on it because like we'd be playing together, right? Like so like we had to learn to share because you know, he only had one N64 in the house. Right, but he only had to share up till your bedtime and then it was fair game. Yeah, absolutely it was, right? And like, I picked Dang. up on that little trick as I got older because I had a younger brother, and then it's just like I got to stay up late and I got to fuck with his save files. But he was young enough that we just used to pretend to plug a controller in into the back, you know oh, what yeah. I mean? Like put the slot oh, in yeah. the you console. Got to, man. You got to, because it's like don't want him only, slowing down it's, my a, progress. it's a win-win, right? Because if you don't let him play, he's going to cry to mom. Mom's going to take the video game away from all of you. Yeah. If you yeah. do let him play, it's going to ruin your game, and you're going to get mad and yell at him, and then, then now no one's having fun. And that was the best with well, Sonic and Tails. enough to still fall for it, you pretend to plug his controller in, you give him mm-hmm. a, a controller that's just mm-hmm. nothing, and he doesn't know he's not playing, and then, like no one gets in a fight. I don't know how many times in, my, in, in when I was growing up that Sonic the Hedgehog number two, Sonic and Tails. I don't know how many Sonic, times Sonic I told my little two. brother he was Tails, and Tails doesn't do anything. Well, yeah, you're that's that's the thing that's genius about Sonic too. If you're an older brother, is your little brother could be Tails, and he doesn't do anything, but it's fine because your little brother actually playing for once, mm-hmm. but not like getting in your way. Yeah. It was fantastic, yeah. right? Like they just like bring oh, man, it forward. It was amazing. It was really and it's the only game to really do that where it's just like Tails was designed to like keep little brothers busy. It was like Sega, all, Sega had a all, think tank and they brought in like all their target audience, which was like people from the ages of eight to 
50. Yeah. Like, and some like, eight-year-old's like, I hate when my little brother like, wants to fucking play. He's annoying me when I'm playing my game. It's like, what if we make him like a little fox that can fly and he leaves you alone? Yeah. Just like, yes, finally. You know, there was like some 24-year-old like, you loser living in your parents' basement. He's like, dude, I'm 10. And he's like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> like internet trolling before there was internet. It's like, joke's on you. I live in my parents' basement playing video games, but my little brother doesn't bug, bug me because he's away in law school. Yeah, because he moved out because he got a job like a loser. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's married and engaged and shit. And I'm back here and I got the Sega Genesis all to myself. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, let's start at the top here. Some of this stuff we've already talked about. The first one is like this, this movie opens, I think, uh, 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 concurrent with the uh, the initial bank robbery of the uh, ex-presidents uh, is Keanu Reeves, who's going doing the final like shooting test where he's like shooting the targets, and yeah. the targets are just like cartoons. They're like cartoon characters holding guns. Like, and he did like, shoot uh, the fuck out of a lady target. I don't think she had a gun either, but oh, she had a gun. Okay. I, I was about to write that she was like, murdering civilians, but no, she had a gun. But she was a cartoon lady. Which a target really is weird. a target. All right. <laughs> It's like it's like they they'd be they wouldn't be like outside of like a Tex Avery cartoon like yeah you get them boss and like holding up their guns like they were very cartoon big old mustache right? Next I have we talked about this like right off the cuff Johnny Utah's got to be a fake name that's a porn star name mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I wrote take the skin off chicken because of Reeves uh, Keanu Reeves uh, line there when when it, the McGinley's just like we don't drink we don't smoke we keep in tip top shape and he's like. Sir, I, I take the skin off of chicken, sir. I yeah. thought that was kind of a funny line, and that was just part of like a whole theme in this movie where every every scene that McGinley's in is just like a bunch of silly ass one liners. I wish I'd written more of them down. Awesome. What was it in the final bank robbery? Um, the one where they take Reeves hostage and make him rob the bank without the mask. Uh, when, when Gary Busey's just yelling at him and he's like, I was doing this job when you were popping zits on your fucking face and everything. Yeah. It's like, oh, in the man, 22 years, so in, in the long years that you've been doing this, there's one thing I've learned that you haven't. He's like, oh yeah, what's that? And Gary Busey's just like, eh. no, no, no. He doesn't say, oh yeah, what's that? But what he says is amazing. He's just, it's just like, uh, <laughs> like, well, why don't you fucking enlighten me? Oh, just the way he said it was great. I wish I'd written it down because it was an amazing line. Um, Another thing that happens, um, the guy, the the one guy, like, drew the words thank you on his ass during the bank robbery. He, he like, moons the bank, and it says thank you on both of his ass cheeks. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, some things happen in movies where, like, they don't seem out of place at the time, but if you think about, like, what le- must have led up to it off screen, like, a guy being like, dude, dude, it'll be awesome. Listen, take this Sharpie, all right? I'm going to turn around. I'm going to pull down my pants. And you write thank you across my cheeks, and the guy's like, "What the fuck? Why?" He's like, "Oh, because I'm gonna move these guys after we rob the bank." And he's like, "Okay, but why?" <laughs> and the guy's gonna be, "Oh, because it'd be fucking funny if someone's watching on camera. Like this was a movie. Yeah. I don't know. Like, how did he end up with thank you written on his ass? Like, someone had to agree to do that. That's funny to me." And you gotta wonder if they did it in the van before. They're like, "Well, we gotta send him a message." <laughs> The next thing I wrote is just like the surfer's theory. It's not that weird, and everybody treats Gary Busey like it's the weirdest thing you can say. Like, how dare you fucking say these guys are surfers, you dumbass? Mm-hmm. Uh, then the child labor laws. Do they not apply in the universe of this movie? Because 
Keanu Reeves goes to like a surfing store and he buys his surfboard from like an 11 yeah. year old kid. He's like, it's never uh, too late to start, bro. It's like, Jesus that was, Christ. That was strange. Also, surfers are not painted in a good light in this movie. Like, they, every time they see someone who's new to surfing, they're just like, oh, is that someone who's new to the this hobby that we love? Let's go give them shit. Like, hey, fuck you for trying to learn to surf, stupid. Like, if you've got or they a hobby, surround you in the shower. People, like, trying to come in and learn uh, the hobby or get be interested in, in, in what you like to do, wouldn't you want to be, like, supportive? You'd think so. Like, I think, think I feel so. like most people are. Like everybody in this, this world, movie takes place in a world where anybody who sees you doing something they like is just like you fucking suck. I thought I think it's interesting you bring that point up. Not to interrupt the notes too much, but like when uh, when his, his girlfriend Tyler, she ends mm-hmm. up being like the dichotomy to the the meth dealers that want to beat the shit out of them, right? So I'm <laughs> in that perspective, right? She like rescues them and then. And then she he's more like, I want to learn. Like on their level, like, she's not going to beat the shit out of him, but she kind of agrees with the fact that they they also, with what they think, which is that, like, the fact that he wants to, like, learn how to surf and uh, is interested in surfing is just awful. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she's Terrible. like, if you want to kill yourself, fucking do it somewhere else, not on my waves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I, I did think it was... Uh... <clears throat> It was interesting that, like, obviously there was one facilitator who was a good person, you know, in heart or at heart, that was helping him out. But then, as soon as he meets anyone else, he's like, "I'm gonna try to like meet some of the other surfers." Like, you almost cut me off, bro, and he just punches him right in the face. Like, he's like yeah. already, almost already drowning, and he's like, "No, no, I'm gonna hit this guy in the face." I'm gonna I'm break his life jacket. It's so like drowns with broken nose. I'm awesome. I feel like fighting somebody in the ocean is like it's almost a guaranteed fucking manslaughter charge. <laughs> if you knock somebody out in the ocean, I don't think they're getting up. They're gonna drown. Yeah, easy to drown after you punch in the face. Easier, at least. It, it, yeah, I would. I would assume that would be one of the easiest situations in which you would find yourself drowned. He learns how to surf. Um, this girl Tyler. Um, uh, he he kind of convinces her. He he says that it, he lies and says that his parents are dead because he knows that her parents are dead. Yeah, and that, so he uses like, that, that premise of learn to surf, so he starts to teach him. Yeah, uh, she ends up being the uh, like the ex girlfriend or something, I think, of uh, Patrick Swayze's character, mm-hmm. Bodie. Yeah, Bodie, dude. Bodie, what a <laughs> radical name! Yeah, <laughs> far out, man. Um, yeah, they get they get in a fight with uh, with the Nazi like skinhead guys that are selling meth, and then. Uh, Keanu Reeves goes to uh, goes to uh, Patrick Swayze's uh, party that ta- that apparently it's a bunch of guys in the in the early '90s having like a '70s hippie party. Yeah, uh, listen to Jimi Hendrix and just pretend in the '70s. I'm pretty sure they were uh, dropping they- acid too. Like it just you know what I mean? Like it almost seemed like they were like '70s babies hosting a party. Probably. Well, I think that's just kind of like what I talked uh, spoke to like last episode where it's like. You, you look to any any decade and like the decade from two two decades ago the decade from 20 years ago was the cool thing so that's mm-hmm. why these kids 90s people are all having this uh this like 70s hippie party this love in yeah. um everybody's drinking corona all over this fucking movie if someone has a drink in their hand it's a beer and if someone has a beer in their hand it's a corona <laughs> i don't know it's just a, it's just a sunshine beer i guess yeah, uh, Keanu Reeves hold his, holds his liquor pretty well for somebody who takes the skin off their chicken. I just want to say that yeah. there was a lot of scenes where he was drinking and he says he doesn't drink and smoke, and I'm pretty sure oh, he broke that rule. Right? Because he grabs a donut right after he says that. 
I think is just like this thing's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> I've never had a donut before. Yeah. Um, yeah, they've been they've been. It says in my notes they've been surfing for like thirty minutes now, and nobody's cowabunged, and that's a that's a goddamn shame. That's a, that's a totally missed opportunity. Absolutely. Then they have a raid. They uh, Keanu Reeves uh, commissions a, a like I don't know, commissions the right word, but he but he uh, calls in a, like a raid on the uh, the house where the the meth dealers are because he's positive they're the ex presidents. Yeah. Um, yeah. They go on a raid while the neighbors mowing the lawn, and there's a very loud, very violent firefight that the neighbor just ignores and continues <laughs> mowing his lawn. Until he's like literally accosted by these guys, and Keanu Reeves almost gets his face cut off by a lawnmower. Yeah, uh, that's somehow still running by itself, despite the guy just running away. Like every lawnmower that I've ever used, no, no, uh, no, that, push that, down a lever to make it work, and if you let go, it's going to stop. But this lawnmower is just on its side. The blades I, are going. I wouldn't be surprised if this movie inspired that safety switch for lawnmowers. You know what I mean? That whole like, you know, you got to close the circuit. By holding this I lever, I didn't consider that, but maybe that makes sense. But hold on, before you go, isn't it interesting how Gary Busey decides to shoot the lawnmower instead of the dude who's trying to push Keanu Reeves' face into the lawnmower? Like, how did he know that one bullet was going to break the motor? You know, Gary Busey in this one scene of the movie is a goddamn sniper with a nine millimeter pistol. No, he, no, he had a snub nose. The one guy's got that that woman. In a chokehold, he's got a gun to her, and Busey's just like, "I don't think so, Tim," and he just blasts the guy right in the forehead. No yes. problem. The one goes, like, "I'm getting out of here," and the chick's like, "Don't shoot, don't shoot," and he's like, "Watch this." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then he shoots the blades of the lawnmower like six inches from Keanu Reeves' face. No problem. You would assume there'd be shrapnel. Guns are notoriously inaccurate firearms. He's just yeah. got no problem with it. And then in the next scene, like the the like car chase scene that we're going to get to he can't hit the fucking broadside of a burn like he comes up like six feet behind like the car that the, the bank robbers there and just fires at him and blows out the like the their rear windshield but keeps missing him like he empties like six clips in, into these guys car and misses all of them yeah so can like, shoot a lawnmower from like 40 like, feet his sniper powers he had like 10 minutes ago like he literally hit the off button on the lawnmower with a pistol from 40 feet, but he can't shoot, like, at least one of four people in a giant fucking car. Like, it's just like, yeah. That's what I'm saying, man. The most inconsistent thing in this movie is Gary Busey's accuracy with a handgun. Yeah. Uh, you know what? I, I would... <sighs> is that the most inconsistent thing? Yeah, you, probably. You got probably. something else? No, I was... I mean, uh... I think what blew my mind the most was that Keanu Reeves picked up surfing in like two weeks. Oh well, he had a good old-fashioned uh, training montage. There, there, there was a little bit I of mean, a montage. He did it the same way that Daniel Larusso learned karate in two weeks, man. Like if you train <laughs> consistently over like an upbeat '80s pop song, then you're gonna master something real fast. That's just you know I gotta call bullshit on that hat. I gotta call bullshit because I didn't see Keanu Reeves painting any fences, waxing any cars. I just, I'm not buying it. You know what I mean? Like if, yeah, you're right. Okay, there was you're no right. wax on and there was no wax off. I'm just, the, the montage seemed like, oh, just learn to hop on your board and all of a sudden you'll be surfing waves with dudes who have been doing it their entire lives. Like when they took well, a night surfing. To be, like, I think he's shown to like get the, you know, get the gist of it. And he's like, oh, I learned how to surf enough to like get by. But like, he's not like, I don't know. He's not doing like some crazy. He's no Johnny like, Utah. I'll tell you that. 
20 years. No, but what was it, that scene when they finished the night surfing? And they're like, oh, we lost one. Oh, just leave the fire out for him. It's like, uh, your friend might be drowning in the ocean right now. Like, you're just going to bail on <laughs> that one person you can't find? And for me, like, as a, as a, a lifeguard from previous years, I'm just like, you kind of have to, like, make sure that you, when you go out swimming at night with people that everyone comes back. Otherwise, somebody drowned. Like, somebody died. But they're just like, just leave the fire for them. They'll figure it out. It's like, well. Yeah. Maybe. Leave them a cup of ice cold, tasty Coronas <laughs> right here in the Let's sand. A couple Coronas right by oh, the fire. People facing out to the camera, though. Corona beer. That's one thing I noticed in movies. I noticed that in movies. I don't know. Maybe I was just in a shitty mood at the time, like for a couple of years. But I started noticing product placement in movies to the point where it was bothering me. Like seeing, like, oh, they're driving a Ford or oh, the, uh, every car in this movie is a Mercedes. Or, oh, yeah, that has every... a lot of parents. That's one I don't really clock, but like every, like every car in a movie being of the same make. Mm-hmm. I guess it's like not as uncommon as you'd think, but like I don't, I don't notice. Like it's got to be a way to produce revenue, cars, right? But like I've, I've got to really be paying attention to, to notice it. I think it's, it's got to be a way for them to, uh, to bring in money for the uh, the movies. Like if, to produce a movie, you need cash, right? And what better way than to advertise? I'm trying to sort that camera out. It's a little fucky. Uh, but what better way to advertise than? Um, going to Ford and being like, hey, we're shooting a movie and we know you guys have a budget for advertisement at this much. What do you say you'd chuck us $30 million and every vehicle we use will be a Ford? Now just provide us with the Ford vehicles and here's, we'll do Here's that. my question though. Like maybe it's just the type of person I am because I'm not really a car guy and I've never really been the, the type of person to get excited or pay attention to cars that much. But like I can't picture someone just leaving the theater of the Equalizer 2 being like, did you see all those reliable Ford automobiles in that film? Let's head down to our Ford dealership right now and see about getting ourselves a good deal on a 2019 Fiesta. Right? It's like, like people just... like leaving James Bond films and they're like, wow, I didn't realize how badly I needed a Jaguar or an Aston Martin. <laughs> exactly. Or any of that. You did know you what see I mean? like... how many fucking bad chicks that guy was banging? If I get myself a Jaguar, I'll basically be a secret agent. That one probably could, but I'm because I'm pretty sure like Rowan Atkinson like fucking loves Aston Martins and collects them because they look cool in the in the James Bond movie. So to that extent, if you're like a real car guy, but I'm saying like if you just like pick a random movie and you're like every car in this movie is gonna be a Hyundai, so that like moms and dads will come buy Hyundais because they're just like oh man, well you know I saw on the Wolf of Wall Street that people like driving Hyundais, so I figured I'd come down to the dealership and see what's up. I think it's more of like a subliminal kind of messaging thing, right? Like, I'll bet you the budgets yeah. for movie like, advertising between Pepsi and Coke was massive during the Cola Wars. And they were like bidding on these movies. Like, we want well, you yeah, to. Yeah, because that's something Pepsi. you might go ahead and do as a whim. Like, you're just like, oh, they just had a nice cold Pepsi Cola in that movie. Maybe I'll go to the vending machine in the theater and get one. Like, yeah. that I can see. Just being like man did you see how great all those mitsubishis were in that movie like let's go see if there's any mitsubishis in town that we can buy for a a reliable automobile at a reasonable price like i just can't see it i can't i I can't see it i would be willing to bet that the movie the entire fast and the furious franchise was funded by car companies 
I would I would one hundred percent I bet my left nut that a majority yeah, of their funding came like, from those are like the part at least the first few movies. Like the, the cars are the point. But if you're like it's just a movie that's like the movie's not about cars, the movie's not specifically for people who are into cars. But it's crazy because you gotta think like somebody's buying all this stuff for these sets, right? So like in this movie, like I'll I, I would be willing to bet that in Point Break, every surfboard that was on camera was of a specific brand. Right, but that's for surfers. That's for people who are in that know about it. Yeah, but I'm saying like at the same know, time, like they, like they do that with like, they do that with everything in movies, right? Like I wouldn't I guess, this was even I a bar like, scene. Yeah, I had like people, yeah, and people do do that. They they do make those decisions for how, what make the cars are going to be in movies. But I'm just saying like. I can't for for that like in certain movies like unless it's about cars and it's like luxury car models and stuff I don't see it paying off. And maybe I'm fair. wrong. Maybe no fair. Maybe I'm in the minority, but I don't feel like I am. Like I don't base my my car purchase decisions on movies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like most people don't. I no, I never have. I've always made my car purchasing decisions off of okay, I have this much money. I'm going to go on Kijiji and see if somebody's selling a car for this much <laughs> this much money. And ironically, yeah. I went with Toyotas. Now, not to knock Toyotas, but I'm pretty sure that was the sponsored vehicle of Blood Diamond. But I feel like Toyota is just like the car company for Africa. So like I I feel like every car you see there is a Toyota. At least in all the movies Maybe. I've seen. Again, this is all all based Never on seen Blood Diamond either. I'm pretty sure they're all Toyotas. I I could be very wrong. I don't really need to get fact-checked on that because at this point, this deep into the whiskey, it's mostly just bullshit I'm spewing. I'm but, not uh, fact-checked. Yeah, I'm, pff, whatever. But, uh, I think the best thing we can do with this podcast is just be, if we're going to be consistently wrong, let's be confidently consistently wrong. Why spoil a good story for a few facts? I'm not willing to do it, personally. Yeah. It's not my style. Okay, back to Point Break. So the last note you left off on was the lawnmower, the the neighbor being totally oblivious yeah. to this massive gunfight because this lawnmower is yeah, so the whole, fucking loud. Yeah, uh, the whole race they do, and then and then the one the one and only guy in this house that they don't kill is an, another undercover cop who's just pissed at him at this point. It's like I've mm-hmm. been following these guys for months. I got into the like I've been following the, like their drug ring. They're not. They don't have anything to do with any bank robberies. Like you guys are wrong. They yeah. were like in other yeah. city when this bank robbery happened. How do so they rob now, a bank when they're in Fort Lauderdale grabbing meth? Like, well, that's a. So isn't Fort Lauderdale far away? He's pissed. He's yeah. just he's just cheesed off now that uh, the Keanu Reeves and Gary Busey have like spent all these resources and like blown up this other operation. Totally blew up. Yeah. Nothing. Totally blew up. Busey was already on thin ice for suggesting that these bank robbers had hobbies. So mm-hmm. like now, now it's just like over. But then um <laughs> so but so many times in this movie was it like oh it's over. They're getting mm-hmm. taken off the case and then all of a sudden they're like nope, we're back in it. We're back in the Yeah, race. they're never quite taken off the case, but it always seems like they're just about to be taken off the case. I love that. Like as soon as as soon as Keanu Reeves walks into the FBI office in the beginning of this movie, John C. McGinley's like, "Hey, welcome to the FBI." You're just about to be taken off the case. And he's like, what case? And he's like, don't worry about it. <laughs> Go fetch some bricks uh, out of a pool with a blindfold on. What the but fuck? But now, I, actually, this is, um, 
the point where uh, I realized in my notes, like I, I don't remember this. I didn't remember this, so I just read it. But um, this is when Keanu Reeves puts together that uh, his surf, his own buddies and 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 uh, Patrick Swayze are the dead president or the ex presidents, mm-hmm. the dead president band, the ex presidents. Yeah. Because uh, the dead pres- dead presidents is a rap group. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's a band without instruments. <laughs> but uh, one of the guys. Um, he see one of the guys like uh, I think when they're surfing like he pulls his shorts down and like moons everybody. It was one of the meth. No, no, no it was. Just... Wasn't it one of the meth heads that did that, and that's why they suspected the meth heads? No, no, no. This was after the. This was after the uh, oh, shootout. That's right. Okay. The raid yeah. out, right? This was after the raid turned out nothing, and they blew up that other cop spot. Um, he's he's you know on the beach with his buddies, and one of the guys surfing, and he and he drops his. Drops his trunks to moon everybody, and Keanu Reeves is just like, "Wait a minute, I know that ass. I recognize that <laughs> ass anywhere. <laughs> it's the ass that had thank you written on it at the beginning. Yeah, he recognizes that dude's ass. The like, only, the only thing that would have been better in that scene is if his ass still had thank you on it, like weeks ago, for a minute. Like I wouldn't recognize my own ass. No, line up. You know what I mean. <laughs> It's just, I'm not buying it. I'm not buying that he's recognizing that guy's ass and being like, these are the bank robbers. He's like, wait, that guy moons somebody. Nobody else moons anyone else. That's such a strange yeah. term. You know? No one's ever mooned anyone in the history of the world. So this guy's the other guy. It's only moon. 1991. This guy started mooning. <laughs> there's, o- there's only been two moons in the history of the world. And this is the second one that I'm looking at right now. It's like the second guy to do the slow clap. They're like, I know that clap. <laughs> well, anyway, that's what they make the Patrick Rokehouse reference when Keanu Reeves talking about their their, uh, their daily routine, and then uh, Keanu Reeves and, and Gary Busey are like, "These have got to be the guys." So then they uh, they follow them to their next uh, bank robbery. They catch him in the act, and then they chase him. And there's a big car chase where Gary Busey doesn't bother using a police siren for reasons that have gone unexplained. Mm-hmm. Uh, he loses. He's lost his ability to like shoot. Just be like pinpoint accurate with a with a pistol. So he just fires a bunch of missed rounds that go nowhere. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Keanu Reeves is chasing uh, the guy in the Reagan mask. We now know is uh, is Patrick Swayze. That was a really uh, frustrating. They have scene. a big like backyard chase where they like run through people's houses and backyards. Mm-hmm. And this is one I wrote where like Patrick Swayze picks up a pit bull. And, and throws, throws it at the face, who then grabs a pit bull and is like, whoa, buddy, and like throws it down and keeps chasing him. Which, like, all right, if a pit bull's going to be that aggressive, like, you're not picking it up and throwing it at a guy. Like, it's going to fucking, att- it's going to fucking rip you to ribbons, dude. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't know if anyone watching has ever, ever walked into somebody's house that has a pit bull. But I will tell you yeah, right now, if that like, pit bull doesn't pit recognize bull you, you, you ain't pick picking it up. It up. Throw it this other guy's face. Like, <laughs> that's not good. Damn. I have, I have uh, like, a 100 or so pound pit bull mix. Mm-hmm. And, like, I can't pick him up on a good day when he's just kind of lying still. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, like, even if you could, if he's if he's mad at you and, like, you're in his backyard fucking with him, you're not going to pick him up. Like, get out of here. I would, ass- I would assume. I would assume. Pick him up and throw him at another man. No, 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 you're not. You're not. Unless it's, like, a mini pit. I don't even know if that's a breed. I doubt it. <clears throat> Frankly, unless you breed a pit bull with a chihuahua, but I feel like one of those dogs is dying during that breeding session. 
Um, it's it's and, crazy. And I've like, so far worked. Like I I okay. So my experience with a, walking into somebody's house, it, I was I walked into my sister's house because we were, me and my buddy were getting my brother in law to uh, to come back out, and they got a pit bull. I walked in that house. If that dog didn't recognize me, I would have no time to pick it up and throw it at somebody. There's no fucking chance. There's no fucking chance. That dog was at the door, fucking haunched up, ready to go. And it's like, oh, it's just you, you drunk bastard. It's not there and be mad and be like, who are you about to throw me at, total stranger? Like, you're dead. You're already dead. Put me in, coach. No, Pitbulls are not team players. They're fucking... (laughs) If if you fuck around (laughs) in a Pitbulls territory, you are not going to be in good favor. And that's not to say... Not to fucking shit on pitbulls. I think it's a fantastic feature of a pitbull that if you come into my house and I have a dog, it's gonna take care of shit. But like, yeah. But you're. I mean, you know what? Even even my dog. Yeah. If it's also a breed like a pitbull, then. But like, okay, honestly, like pitbull, like I've seen my sister's dog fucking come out from underneath the deck and launch a bike like ten feet in the air because it was just it's solid muscle. But at the same Mm -hmm. time, if you came into my house unannounced, I gotta shepherd collie mix it's like a small looking shepherd it's it's not gonna let you throw it at somebody i would be surprised it's gonna crap in you i would be surprised if you could pick up a fucking chihuahua and throw it at somebody without getting nipped yourself oh yeah no you'd get like you get chomped like right probably right here between the thumb and the and that thing's working on you go to pick it up what would have been more accurate is if he picked up the dog and tried to throw it and it was like caught on his shoulder and he's like oh and like fucking Flew at or he went to go to pick it up and it was dog. just like how about I fucking rip your throat out instead <laughs> the movie's over now good night this, is, this has become once upon a time in Hollywood all of a sudden <laughs> also a great movie you should do an episode on I've only seen half of it did you, you didn't see the pit bull save the fucking day at the end of it I did not I did not so you spoiled the movie I don't want to watch oh. it now no I'm just kidding <laughs> I don't no, know. Honestly, more, I sometimes I enjoy just, movie movie spoilers like that because it was it was dragging on for me. Yeah, I, I know it's more of a reason was it was more understandable you haven't seen it, but if we can do an episode just so I have an excuse to watch uh, *Lethal Weapon*, we should do one so you have an excuse to watch. Uh, Once well, upon a Hall like I've I, I seen half of it. I, I think one of the last scenes I saw was when uh, Brad Pitt threw fucking the actor who was playing Bruce Lee into a car, and it happened mm-hmm. to be like the director's wife's car. <laughs> yeah, he was barely able to get work in the first place. That was fucking good. All right, all right. So we digress. You're not picking up a fucking pit bull and throwing it at somebody. No chance. Maybe no if it's way. your own pit bull, but even at that point, I feel like your dogs would be like, "What the fuck are you doing, man?" Like you would have had to train for that. You know what I mean? Like you oh, would yeah. have had. To, I don't know. You'd have to be a police officer who works in a canine unit who also has a pit bull, and you know how to train them to be like or, understand like. I am going to throw you at a threat now. Or be named Bodie and be a fantastic surfer and also have starred in Roadhouse. I mean, that's that's the only trifecta I could see. Apparently throwing that, a I works. thought that works, but apparently it does. It, it is what it is, really. I mean, now, what do I have here? Um, I almost feel like looking up the line that, that John C. McGinley said, I, I feel like an asshole for not actually having it ready. He's like, why don't you enlighten me, fuckface? Or it's something like that, but it's, but it's funnier. Uh, anyway, then uh, Keanu Reeves knows that uh, that Patrick Swayze is going to, like, jump in this private plane and, like, 
head down to Mexico to disappear. So him and Gary Busey, like, uh, well, this is after this is after uh, Keanu Reeves is taken by them, and uh, they go on that big skydiving uh, excursion. It's another like big adrenaline scene in the movie where they go skydiving and you're like there's no way fucking Keanu Reeves has to shoot because like you think Patrick Swayze wants to that, kill him that whole yeah, that whole scene when they're like passing around parachutes and he gets his original parachute back I was just that like was, oh this well, is where it ends yeah that was a well probably the most well done sequence in the movie because you're just sitting there thinking like he's definitely fucking going splat like he's mm. definitely jumped out He's going to pull the ripcord and like some strings are going to fly out. He's going to be like, oh no. And that's going to be the end. <laughs> He's going to be like, I am an FBI agent. I'm short bait, like, bro. <laughs> yeah. But like, it makes you think that. But then, like. But that was get, only like an hour and 30 minutes in. You get to feel the rush with him. Yeah, exactly. And I, I thought at this point, like, this is the end of the movie. Like, it can't get any more amped up than this. Like, no, it can't. That's why I it said, was like, definitely the high point of the movie for me, though. To be fair, yeah. But uh, it it definitely is, you know, like it it's definitely one of the better scenes in the movie for sure. And uh, you're just right there along for the ride. With I think it does the best job of any scene in the movie of giving you like that kind of adrenaline rush as you're just sitting on your couch eating chips and drinking beer, mm-hmm. watching this movie. But you're just feeling like you, you kind of get it at this point, like this adrenaline these guys are chasing and, and why it's so important to them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like just ever, ever seeking that high. Right. But it's just one of the men. Yeah, exactly. And it's just one of the many instances and like, like anyone seeking a high, they just have to amp up more and more what they're doing, <laughs> uh, what they're doing to try to get their, get their fix and get there. Um, but then he shows, uh, then he shows the, the video that shows that, uh, he has, uh, his Tyler. uh his girlfriend Tyler yeah. taken home. Yeah, because because the first she, the first scene with her with her skydiving. Yeah, but like so there's a whole their whole sequence of them skydiving is like right after okay, so that, again, like it, it the action just it's like a fucking acid trip, man. It just rolls and rolls and rolls and you're like, It's done. Nope, it's back up. No, it's done. No, it's back up. So like that whole scene was like just before they take him skydiving the first time, um, Tyler finds out he's an FBI agent. But they also found out he was an FBI agent. So, like, there's that scene where he's sleeping after his knee injury. Mm-hmm. And then Tyler comes in with a gun, but it's just the shadow. And all he is the gun in the arm. And then, boom. It shoots, and she shows fucking the pillow, shoots yeah. the pillow. And he's just like, what the fuck? And she's like, you're an FBI agent, blah, blah, blah. And then it's, like, not even two minutes later in the movie, those guys come to pick him up. And he's, like, trying to get his badge and his gun. And he can't get his gun. And so he's, like, totally naked out there when they take him skydiving. Mercy of whatever these guys are gonna do to him, and that's when they're like, "We're going skydiving." And of course, like, right? You want to fucking kill a guy? Like, bring him and, and bring him skydiving, <laughs> throw him out of a plane. And he'll yeah, be, make it look like an accident, right? His body will just be found somewhere that has nothing to do with you. Like, mm-hmm. of course, that's what's going. That's what's going through your head watching the movie. That's what's going yep. through Tony Utah's head when he's going skydiving with these guys. And that's why I brought up the shadow scene, because initially, like, it cuts from the scene about them knowing he's an FBI agent, like, what are we going to do? And he's like, I know exactly what to do. Mm -hmm. And then it goes to that shadow scene where you would assume Patrick Swayze is going in to execute him in his sleep. But no, it's so much more than that. And then they take him skydiving. And then that whole scene in the plane where they're switching shoots around, you're just like, And the skydiving thing is like a big ploy, but it's genuine. Because that's genuinely like the most important thing to Bodie, to Patrick Swayze's character, is like, 
like, yeah, I'm going to like kidnap this guy's girl and I'm going to like show him that we have her so he doesn't go with it. But like, I mean, the important thing to me is like, this guy's my buddy and we're going to go like jump out of a plane and fucking freak out about how crazy it is for like, he, he's so addicted to it that even though it's a bad idea for him to do all these things, and that's like that's love that he's gonna get to jump out of a plane and his heart rate's gonna yeah. spike up. And, and, and like, I, I love the foreshadowing in the movie, right? So like, there's there's a whole lot of scenes where they foreshadow stuff, right? And uh, but that that area in particular when they're like taking him out to go skydiving because like they can kind of tell he's an adrenaline junkie too. Is like his girlfriend Tyler is like I see that look in your eyes, like you've got that you're seeking something, right? And blah blah blah. You got that diehard like death wish look in your eyes. And they foreshadow that about 20 to 30 minutes before he ends up jumping out of the plane. And, like, it's true, like, in his own sense, going undercover and doing that. Like, I feel like I would not be able to, like, I wouldn't be able to enjoy jumping out of a plane on a good day. But if I'm in that position where, like, I'm sure these guys want to kill me, they know I'm an FBI agent trying to blow up their bank robbing operation, Mm -hmm. like, Mm -hmm. all that's weighing me down, going through my head. But you can tell genuinely when Johnny Utah's flying through the air with these guys, like he's like, he's lost himself and he's found himself. Like he's, he's mm-hmm. in the moment just, and that's all that matters to him. Yeah. So, and, and I love that relationship that they shared, right? Like throughout the whole movie, even, even right at the end. Right? Yeah. When it's just like, it's, as, important as, it's it. as real to him. Like, even though it's part of, it's part as part of his cover, it's as real to him as it is to the rest of them. Like he's right there on the same level with them. Yeah, because at that like, point in time, like, he was like sure he wanted like, to be killed, but he didn't know that they were gonna. They he didn't know they were they had kidnapped Tyler at that point, right? Right. It wasn't until they landed on the ground and he's like kill him at all. They were just using Tyler as leverage to make sure he left them alone. Mm-hmm. And that's because I think like Bodie did like really like feel connection with this guy where he didn't uh, he didn't want him to. Yeah, he didn't want to be the one to have to kill him or stuff him out or anything like that. He just wanted to be like, listen, we we got to get our fix here, like, and you got to stay out of the way. Yeah, we're gonna do what Same we're gonna do. At the end of the movie, we'll get to why why uh, Johnny Utah tracks down Bodie in Australia with the epic mm-hmm. fifty year wave. More foreshadowing. Him, yeah, he, he just lets him go. Like he's like, I, you know what? Like I really just want to like get this one more time. I just want to get this feeling of utopia one more time and uh i know it's gonna kill me but it's worth it to me and i it's more important obviously i'd choose that over a prison cell any day yeah that whole line where he's like i can't live in a cage johnny unlocking the unlocking the cuffs Mm -hmm. and letting him go and And the cops at the end are like oh don't worry we'll get him when he comes back in and johnny utah's walking away he's like he's not coming back yeah. <laughs> it's just he's like what a, a fucking classic 90s action fucking ending right like we both knew what and this was tosses his badge yeah like really like it, it really it really speaks to like how much like he's like um he's like supposed to be like 25 in this movie right and like he he just got out of uh young, really young, being, right like early to mid 20s i would say yeah yeah i think i think he mentions he's 25 in the uh, in the sir shop when he's buying the board and the, the kid the little kid is selling him a board for some reason like it's never too late to learn a new skill bro he's like I'm 25 he's just like but, yeah bro you're old as fuck 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. So you're almost dead. Made me feel I'm old as shit, 13, too. So you're you're fucking ancient. You're a yeah. mummy. But yeah. yeah, he's like kind of like like he's just gotten out of school. Like he's just gotten started in his career. And like he talks to Tyler about um, how he's. Um, well, what is what does he say? He talks about how uh, every everything he lies about his parents being dead, but the other things he says about how I, I realized that everything I wanted for myself is what they wanted for me, and I was chasing their dream, not mine. It's kind of you don't know at that point how much you fi- you figure. Well, that's all just like some bull crap that he's he's selling her to. to yeah, is, he's he, is he feeding her lines right? Like is he. Because at a certain point, like once he got introduced to Bodhi and stuff like that, like he was in, like he didn't really need to pursue that, that relationship anymore, right? Like he'd already made it in with surfers. Like as soon as, like when him and uh, Roadhouse fucking kicked the shit out of those Nazi meth dealers. What's the point in pursuing that anymore? Like you got your in, you're into the community, you don't have to. So like it it seemed a lot more genuine. These Nazi meth dealers are the ones who are the ex-presidents. So like. As far as you're concerned, you don't concern you don't need Bodhi at that point. Well, you don't need anyone at that point. Yeah, like your cover's done. But so right? much of it was so much of it was genuine. Like I think everything he said, except for the lie of his parents dying, was genuine. Yeah, and that's and, obviously uh, what triggered her in the movie. You can tell, right? Because that was the one question after she shot the pillow. She's like, "Did your parents even die in a car crash?" And he was like, "No." Said, no. And then she's like, like "Fuck you." Yeah, flies off the yeah. handle. Yeah. Which I think is a reasonable, a totally reasonable response, right? Like, you know, you connect with somebody and you help them out because they shared something like that with you. And then obviously she knows that he manipulated her. So she's like, well, what else are you lying about? Nothing, Tyler. Exactly. He's on the phone and you he's find like, out someone's undercover cop, they could be lying about anything. Mm-hmm. But he really wasn't. Like, he wasn't lying, like, the the emotional state he was coming from to try to win her over, like, you know, like, I realized I was just living life from what my parents wanted for me and not anything else. It feels like that's true. And that's um, that's why he, like, jumps into this lifestyle that Bowie's selling him so much is because he truly does connect with it. Mm-hmm. And he truly does. Feel, so that's why he understands so much why it's so important to Bodie for him to go out in Australia on this, on this like, this wave and that's how he wants to go out and obviously he's going to tr- choose that before a prison cell for sure yeah and well that that was his his dream right like he's talking about like the best wave like that's why i love i love the foreshadowing like, i don't think you get a lot of that and in, in, you don't get as much of that in newer movies right like as newer newer said, movies that aren't as good he talked about that 50 year wave in australia i knew there no matter what happens in the movie the two of them are going to be in australia when that fifty-year wave is happening, yeah, yeah, but like, there were, but there were so or, many points in that movie where you're just like, okay, the next scene's gonna be Australia, or okay, this is all leading up to Australia, but then you check the time bar and you're like, there's still fucking forty minutes it. left. Yeah, okay, there, there's still thirty-five minutes left. There's still there's thirty minutes of, left. There's still twenty. It was like increments of five minutes where you're just like, when when are they gonna? When is it gonna stop? When the fuck? <laughs> Why? Yeah. Why are there so many rolling hills to this fucking climax, right? Like, what's and going on? Here? This, this must be. This is a, a problem because I can't figure out the pacing of this movie. But once you once you get where these characters are coming from, you realize it's it's by design. It's it's on purpose. Yeah. yeah. And it makes and it makes perfect sense. But how badass? Really how badass was that scene where like he jumps? He's like, just let Tyler go, man. You got what you wanted. I can't fucking do anything from up here. And he's like. 
whatever, bro. See you later. And he tosses the fucking walkie-talkie and all that and the gun and just jumps out of the plane. Then Keanu Reeves is like, fuck. Fuck it. And he just jumps out of the plane without a shoot. Oh, my God, man. When he jumps, I'm just like, he's not going to just jump out of this plane. What the fuck is wrong with him? He straight up jumps out of the plane. (laughs) I did not see that coming. I totally thought there'd be, like, an extra shoot because they had, like, three guys initially well, so, so i assume about him. i was gonna put on the, the guy who got shotgunned or the guy who got shot by gary Busey before gary mm-hmm. Busey got capped i assumed his shoot was in there so i was waiting for him to suit up and put on the parachute and then jump out after him but when he jumps out shootless i was like what the fuck this guy's got no fear and like well that's the thing that's the whole that's the whole thing about it these guys have no fear and like yeah if, yeah if, if they're jumping out of a plane that's exciting and if that's how they die, then so be it. That's an exciting way to die. So that's a win. And how crazy was it when he's like, you want to pull the shoot? You got to drop the gun. He's like, I ain't going to pull it. He's like, pull the fucking shoot, Bodie. And Bodie's like, nah, bro, drop the gun. Oh, but man, Bodie's so ready to die. Oh, yeah. He's I mean, just like, like, I wish you would. I wish you would just let us fucking just His mental state must have been like, right it's like, if that was like a reality, like his mental state after just losing two buddies. You know what I mean? Like one at the bank and then one at the airport. Just kind of like, mm-hmm. fuck it. The ride's over. Was father, wasn't it? The guy who got shot in the bank was his brother, I'm pretty sure. Might have been. I, I, I wish I had seen the movie more. Maybe they were the same brother as it, like, you See, know, the, like... Yeah, and this is the difference between Face Off and, uh, and Point Break. I watched Point Break once. I've seen Face Off 30 times. So... <laughs> so I kind of knew the ins and outs, right? But uh, but with this one, it was all fresh, and like I wouldn't be, I, I wouldn't at all doubt the fact it was his brother because there was a much more intimate scene when he's trying to like get him out of the bank, then he yeah. stops breathing. He's like, "You can't fucking take him with you, man," and then they end up bailing and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, no, that, that that whole mental state that he's in when he's like, "You got to drop the gun," or "You got to pull the shoot." What do you want to do, man? He's like, "You got to hold on with one hand, and you have to." hold yeah. on to the gun with the other or you can pull the shoot and it's like what are you going to do it's great about making you feel mistakes and kind of explaining it to you how he, like he can't use his left hand to pull the shoot unless he drops the gun um, and if he doesn't drop it, the like, gun and pulls the shoot what's he going to hold on to right exactly so um, yeah it did, it did a good job of kind of making you uh, making you understand the stakes in a very like high stakes very fast paced environment Mm-hmm. I think probably the best scene was <clears throat> when they raided the meth dealers' houses, and they're like, "Oh, we don't want you to blow your cover. Take the back window." And the whole time I'm watching this scene, he's wrestling and fighting with this guy. I was thinking, like, if he sees his face, his cover's blown. He's done for. There's no way he's going to recover from that. And you just assume that a guy coming, you know, going into prison after getting arrested would just be busted totally right he'd be like oh it was that johnny utah who caught me and so everyone would know johnny utah was a fucking cop but uh, that was never a concern in the movie and i that kind of took me for a leap because i was kind of just like well why is he even engaging besides the gunshot like the gunfights like why would he engage in a fist fight with a guy where he could be potentially marked as the undercover agent right and totally blow his cover you're talking about his uh what is it? His like celebrity or semi-celebrity status as a college quarterback. Well, no, I'm, I'm more or less talking about like so the whole scene where he like shows up to his own raid late, and they're like, "We don't want you to blow your cover. Take the back window." 
And so he was just supposed to be backup. It was supposed to be like a routine kind of like these guys aren't going to be armed to the teeth and, and high on meth. But then he has to bust in, right? <clears throat> so he's covering everyone's back. But then when he gets into the fist fight, I was saying, like, the whole time he's fighting this guy, I'm just like, as soon as this guy goes to jail, he's going to let someone know that Johnny Utah is a cop. And maybe that's just, like, the modern era we live in, where you could assume, like, you tell somebody and they just post it on social media, like, Johnny Utah is a cop on Facebook, and all of a sudden everyone kind of yeah, knows. 1991, who's going to tell? He's going to make a phone call? Right? Like, is that going to be his one phone call? Like, I'm not going to call my lawyer. Like making a phone call and be like, "Hey, Johnny, Utah's a cop. Tell anybody who might know." Right? Yeah. So, so for me, that yeah, I thought that was kind of interesting because, like, obviously a sign of the times, right? Like, I doubt he's going to use his one phone call or however it works, whatever. I at the time that when I was watching it, I was like, it "Doesn't matter, man. He's busted. He's got his fucking face almost pushed into a lawnmower. Like this guy knows exactly who he is." But it didn't really matter then. They found out through other means, right? But uh, it was crazy to think that, like, he was just like, oh, I'll blow my cover, blah, blah, blah. Like, Gary Busey, these guys can't hear me over over a lawnmower. Which, in the 90s, you'd think the yeah, FBI I would have better access. Like, two unrelated, like, troops of surfers, I guess, but they must have some mutual friends, at least a couple, well, like, one or two. Well, they knew each other, right? Because he's like, hey, back off, he's with me. Like he and then he listed off all the dudes that were in that surfer group, right after they fought when when uh, Bodie and and Utah were walking away, and Gary Busey is like seeing a fight and he runs down and he like completely covers himself, being like, "Do you see a dog or some kids with my stereo? Like I'm looking for these kids that stole my stereo." I'm like, "Oh, I think you might want to check down there." And he kind of like gives it away, like these four guys tried to rough me up type deal. But it was a. Uh, it was kind of crazy in the sense that, like, you would assume that if Bodhi knows these guys by name and how well they are, like, there would be some kind of connection in that surfer world. But <clears throat> that was, uh, that yeah, was probably the only stuff. plot flaw yeah, I really found. I mean, when you just got phones, then I can see how it wouldn't be as big a concern. And especially, like, when he when he went in and did that, you know, like, so-and-so blowed his cover, like... um he didn't he didn't know that he was going to need it anymore right because they were pretty sure at that point that those were the guys especially when they started suiting it wasn't up. until you recognized the buddy's ass that he was just like wait a second i know those cheeks yeah the, right. the ex-presidents like as soon as the guy was just kind of like you blew my dea undercover mission and totally fucked me like you mm -hmm. think i like being here hanging out with these fucking losers i just want to be at home with my wife and not be at the ramada hotel and then he was like, oh, I fucked up. And then the next scene is basically him seeing that dude's ass. And he's like, that's an ass I'll never forget. <laughs> I saw that. When he, when he, damn footage. Yeah, when he pins it all together. For a, like a minute. The, the so one thing that I, I really enjoyed about the movie is, I guess, is how linear it was, though, right? Like, there, it could have been better, but it would have had to have been longer if like it took him a while to find that chick like Tyler to hook him up with the people and it was like I like how they do that how like they introduce him to a subculture and he really enjoys it then he finds some friends he really likes but he suspects these guys of being it but it turns out his friends he really likes are the guys doing it uh, yeah. like it, it really worked in a linear fashion in that sense where it was just kind of like hey my first contact happened to lead me to the people 
and now they're using my first contact who I've fallen in love with against me. And it was it was kind of an interesting take like that. And obviously yeah, with movies as opposed to like miniseries. Yeah, that's the thing about movies and one of the reasons now I'm actually really falling in love with like movie like series, you know what I mean? Like series that play out like movies is like you can have so much more detail and so much more mm-hmm. side shit in like a ten limited, part yes. miniseries. But yeah, you're limited in films, right? Miniseries are limited. Yeah. yeah. There's uh there's you've said for those, you know, it's telling a story and getting in and getting out, but not confining yourself to what a movie is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the reasons I was always drawn to action films as a kid is because like they typically are fairly linear and they're not that it's just that they're easy to follow, but it's just that like sometimes you watch a show and it's just like it's oh, there's a whole lot of bullshit I don't want to see. Other times you watch a show and you're like, oh, this is fantastic. I'm really happy they're doing all this background. But with the action films, especially in like the 90s and stuff like that, it's just like, here we go. From start to finish, I'm in it. You know, and that's it's a lot harder to do, I think, with a series. But like when I look at movies like we've seen, like even when you look at Face Off, like we did last week, and uh, Point Break that we did this week, but like Terminator 2 Judgment Day, I think that's one of my favorite 90s action films. Like it's the it's, only Terminator movie I've seen front to back. It's the only one worth watching front to back. The first one's pretty good, but it's yeah. just not the same. But like Terminator 2 Judgment Day, man, like it just it's a fucking ride the whole way through, right? Like you have your little character introduction, you kind of get what's going on. It's just fun. Like it just commits to being fun. And I like, think a lot of movies are missing that nowadays, man. Like there's like a whole a lot, lot. Of movies, action movies from the 80s and 90s like commit to being fun without any pretense. Mhm. Absolutely. Absolutely. I don't know. I'm, I'm too drunk to be making sweeping generalizations like that. No, no, no. This is the time to make them. This... All night. I'm not going to lie, Pat. Like, when I first started this whole idea out, like, this is obviously very brand new to both of us. Um, mm-hmm. I wanted to bring you on to do the specific movie ones because I know how much we both enjoy our films and we love talking about them together. And I was like, maybe I'll bring other people on. But now I'm thinking... We could do a whole lot more together, uh, and not just about movies. But I love, I love the movie chat. So I'd love to keep this whole thing going. This whole conversation about movies that breaks off on a tangents about how we both hate three D, and that's stupid. And <laughs> Avatar sucks. Yeah. Uh, Hurt Locker obviously deserved the Oscar, not fucking James Cameron's blasphemous Pocahontas version. Oh, are you kidding me? I I haven't seen Avatar, but I've seen the Hurt Locker, and that obviously deserve the Oscar. You know what's fucking crazy? Is I have seen Avatar. I have not seen Hurt Locker. There's two episodes right there. You know we're doing A two-parter. A two-parter. Avatar versus Hurt Locker. Why they deserve the Oscars and why they didn't deserve the Oscars. I can tell you right now why Avatar didn't deserve the Oscars. I can't tell you why Hurt Locker deserved them. But I'll find out. And maybe you'll find out too. For what it's worth, I give... I don't know if we're past this point yet or not. I'm pretty drunk. So it's hard to tell, but I give uh, I give Point Break three and a half stars out of five. Or are we talking ten? Um, out of three and a half. So it's a full star rating, three and a half. No, out of, out of five, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I didn't expect so, that. So it, it, it peaked. I just it peaked my your interest. Three and a half stars, and I didn't expect to be challenged on it. 
<laughs> I just wanted to know what kind of rating system we're going to go on here, man. If we're going to continue this, we have to have, like, is it going to be a 10-star, 5-star, 3-star, 3.5-star? have some kind of a rating system. We should, have, just... we should have a 3.5-star rating system. All right, that's that's written. <laughs> okay. so, so, so you gave it 100% pad approval. <laughs> Apparently. Apparently. Well, no, I just made the system up. So we, we, you, you can, just so what we you can do is you can, we got a three and a half star rating system. You can dilute your rating now. If you're like, it's a 2.75 star at a three and a half star. We, we can do that, oh, but I, I just, I don't want to leave you hanging. It's too late. Okay. I've already given it three and a half stars. And you know what? Gonna... You know what, Pat, as much as we can disagree on certain movies, I don't know what a three and a half star rating means, but I'm going to give it the same thing because God damn, God damn. Was that movie ever a fucking roller coaster ride? I did not expect it to be like that. I, like, yeah. like I said, like, I knew what I was getting into, but I didn't know what I was getting into. Yeah, no, I, th- I think uh, like joke ass rating. So I, th- I think you liked it a lot more than I did. Um, not a lot, more, at least a little bit more. I, I liked it, but like I think in terms think that, yeah, yeah I would agree with you. I I think I did enjoy it a little bit more than you, but I I was looking at it more in the simplistic view of a classic '90s action film. Uh, the the plot had man, issues. You, there were the there were some problems. '90s action films like I'm, this, I'm a, totally that, that totally known like totally. I could show like. I could show you like an award-winning fucking film from like any other genre, or I could show you the worst '90s action film, and you'd be like, oh, "I would well, tell you exactly why that worst '90s action film deserved the award more than that acclaimed fucking movie." A hundred percent. I'm a exactly. I'm a cinephile for my own preference. I'm not really a, I'm not a critic like that. You know what I mean? Like I can't sit there and be like, yeah. "Well, you know, you know, this movie didn't have quite the cinematography I expected." I can't sit I, I there and fucking feeling, tell you that. I had a feeling you were going to drop the word cinematography. Yeah, I love that, that fucking word, man. That's a, what a fucking great word. Cinematography. What does we gotta, it mean? We got to fit it into every knows. episode somehow. Nobody knows. How do you end an episode that has been as, as fruitful and as successful as this one? I'm not really sure. Okay, so let's call it to an end. Um, it's been a fucking fantastic night. I hope you enjoyed your drinks as much as I did. Of I think course. maybe we'll we'll close on a genre. So, would you prefer to do something comedy-wise, comic book-wise, drama-wise? What are you thinking? Yes. All right. We'll do all of them. We'll <laughs> <laughs> Chances are we're going to pick a movie and not fucking talk about it just like we did tonight and the night before. So <laughs> it doesn't really we'll matter. Out. Anyways, all right, Pat. I got uh, I got a little one to take care of. Apparently, he doesn't want to stay asleep tonight. So, let's close it out. Um, thank you so much for for coming on, man, and making the time to uh, to chat with me about Point Break and everything oh, else we chatted fact, about. Once again, it's it's a lot, actually a lot of uh, a lot of pressure off to realize we don't have to stay on 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 topic when we're doing these. It's got to be free flowing, man. We got to be happy. I don't want to. I don't want to stick to a, a meticulous format. But I love the fact you got a five star fucking bound ring binder 
Oh yeah, you know what? I'm keeping it. No, no, keep it, keep it, so that because honestly, I I would love to do a segment on each movie we do called Pat's Notes. Uh, Oh man, is that going to be a segment for real? The first couple pages of this are are. Well, a couple of things about uh, a couple of notes from a D and D campaign. Okay. The rest yeah. of it is about face off and point break. There you go. There you go. So we we maybe you can mix in some characters from D and D into the movies we do. Like, well, if this oh. character rolled a fuck crit, you know. <laughs> <laughs> maybe right. maybe we can have a segment where I where I try to figure out like the what what characters like D and D classes would be. That'd be fun for people. We could have some fun with it. We, you know what? We might as well take it off the rails you know because it never you know on the rails what's, in the uh, first place. What's Patrick Swayze's uh, character's name? I'd say a Bodie? bard. Yeah, Bodie? Bard, Bodie. He, he's Bodie. a fucking barbarian. You'd say he's a barbarian? Maybe a, maybe a barbarian bard multi-class. I would say he's multi-class. I would say he's got more bard than barbarian because he can convince people. Maybe. Anyways. Yeah, he's like a level 7 bar, bard, level 3 barbarian. If we start breaking down the movie in D&D, we're going to be here for like 6 more hours. Yeah, you're right. We, we got to cut We got to cut it loose. We got to cut it loose. So again, for everyone that stopped in, thank you so much. If you're listening to this now on YouTube, thank you very much. Uh signing out here is is myself and uh Pat. Pat, why don't you say goodbye to everybody? Good night, everyone. Thanks for listening and thanks for watching. And we'll see you in the next one. Absolutely. There's going to be a whole lot more of this shit show. All right. (laughs) Cheers, everybody.